Blog Talk Radio. Hey, good evening, everybody. I'm Rich Young alongside Eugene Benton. Glad to have you here tonight. It's going to be a great night. I mean, it is a jam-packed show from about right now until 9 o'clock when the light goes red. We will promise you this, that you will be entertained, you will be educated, and you hopefully will be full of a lot of information here because I've got five different guys coming in here that all bring in something different to the table here today. Of course, I'm alongside Eugene Benton, and we're going to talk to a about four or five, like I mentioned, individuals. We'll start off at 6.30 with Wayne Wright. He is uh, the voice of the North Myrtle Beach Chiefs. He works over in the, uh, the field that we do right here as well with the Chanticleers. If you saw over there on Southern Sports Central on Facebook, you saw the, well, you saw all the, you, all, all the uh, big trucks, the tractor trailers, if you will, from College Game Day making their way onto campus today. That means they're setting up for the big action on Saturday. It's going to be a big night, or a big day, if you will, for everybody on the Grand Strand, not only for the Shining Clears, but a great opportunity for the Liberty guys as they will be coming in to Myrtle Beach and, and trying to ruin that perfect season for Coach Chadwell and the Shining Clears on that Saturday. Now, also happening here tonight, we're going to get David Shelton. He works with, of course, the Post and Courier High School Sports Report. He's over with Bobby Harden on Fridays. He's always right here with us on Wednesdays. Now, we moved him back 30 minutes. He's got something else that came up, so we said we'll push you back 30, then we'll bring you in for about 15 minutes. And at that point, we'll then take the bus up to about midway, uh, I'd say almost in the line between North and South Carolina, where Joe Hughes is waiting on us there. And, of course, he works with the Gaston Gazette, the Shelby Star, covering the North and South Carolina teams coming up uh, not only as the season ends here in February, it just begins in North Carolina. So Joe's going to have quite a busy year kicking off early. That being said, then at 7.30, we head to the upstate. That is in Greensville with the young man who is the voice of the Burns Rebels. Now, of course, he also is part of that ESPN upstate crew. He has his own show 
where it's the Saturday scramble. I was actually on there with them this past Saturday. We talked about that North Myrtle Beach game that I made the trip up to on Friday night when they knocked out Myrtle Beach. They now will go on and see a very good AC floor team along with four other games that are going to take place between Friday and Saturday. But we'll talk about that. Well, all of those guests, I've got different topics on top of the high school conversation because like Wayne, for example, we're going to talk about the Shining Clears. We'll ask him how things have been. Now, we've had their coaches on, even their head coaches joined us. But to have a guy that comes in in the field that he's in that, that does a lot with, uh, you know, the, the, the relations of, of communication. So he sees a lot of things that uh, you don't see on, on your side that he gets to deal with behind the scenes. And, of course, you know, his t- touch there, as well as that North Myrtle Beach connection as they are heading to the state championship game. So he's going to be a very busy man, by the way. As I mentioned, at 7 o'clock, David Shelton, he's a, a low country guy. Well, we're going to talk to him also about the games coming up on, Thursday, on Friday and Saturday. But if you didn't hear, you know, high school basketball tipped off on Monday night for the JV squads, on Tuesday night for the varsity squads, which was last night. Some teams started with that dub and some looking for the first one on Friday night. But, again, we'll talk to him about – some of the things that are going on around the world of winter sports, because that did, again, kick off uh, this week. That being said, Dorchester County, that's Ashley Ridge, Somerville, and Fort Dorchester have locked their gyms from fans, allowing the players, the referees, those who work within the confines of the game, be it myself or the broadcasting crew of the fort, you know, we got a chance to be in the gyms, but after that, it's a no-go. And, and I understand that. But I'm going to get David's point of view, and, of course, in a minute I'll bring in Eugene, and he and me will also talk a little bit about that because there are some pros and cons, and I get mamas and daddies who are upset about not seeing their babies play, but we'll talk about that, like I said, in a minute. But I'm going to get David's opinion as last night. Actually, I was over at Kane Bay where Fort Dorchester was on the road to open up their varsity season. The, the girls and the guys picked up a nice win last night on the road, but they did have fans in the stands. It was separated, uh, you know, socially distanced, if you will. Not a lot of fans. But they did have a few in the house. And, of course, uh, in the upstate, you've got the guy that we know uh, is uh, Joe Hughes. He's kind of in that weird area, but he kind of looks over that Columbia, the Charlotte area. We'll kind of get some information from him. Of course, a lot of that is going to be his picks for a quick minute because he did go 8-2 and two last week, and that was one of the best showings we've had from all of our guests that have joined us here on the broadcast. And all these guys are going to give us their top picks from out the five games they're going to be played. And then Cole, of course, on the upstate, he sees a lot of that, so he'll help us out with the upstate teams here tonight at 7.30. And then at 8 o'clock, check it out. We're heading over to Goose Creek on that, well, if you would, near University Boulevard, where he'll be sitting maybe at his restaurant there, but that is Chuck Reedy. Now, he's got a state championship ring. Uh, he also has coached at multiple high, at college levels. Clemson, you've seen him over at Baylor. We've seen him a few other places around the country, but his last stopping ground that I thought he did an incredible job was over at Goose Creek and he is our guest celebrity picker here for the night so that's when you and Gene and myself will join him in our picks at the end of the show I'm also going to talk about this Eugene I want you to kind of put this out our poll question of the night and I'd love to hear from you guys is uh, should football coaches should football coaches be athletic directors or should it just be as they have it in a lot of areas of the state should it just be an admin job you know, what are the pros and cons to that? But your thoughts uh, on that. Eugene, let me bring you in, my friend. Glad to be back with you. Did a great job Monday night covering while I was out doing some TV work. Tonight, it's all high school football. We will talk to Gamecocks as they 
quote unquote, we don't know for sure, but the rumor is that they have hired or at least offered and will uh, maybe solidify that connection to Mr. Beamer, Shane Beamer, who is at Oklahoma now. But as of Sunday, they may be announcing that he has that five-year deal and has agreed to take it and bring in a staff with him as early as Sunday. Yeah, and I uh, actually spoke with, uh, you know, one of our better sources that actually has been, you know, w- people say what they want about rumors, and, you know, we don't really get into that. We're not kind of a, a breaking news type of organization. But, uh, you know, this person has been very, very solid with information going back for weeks. And uh, so I heard today the announcement would come um, – they're looking at either Sunday or Monday, uh, but it should be, right. you know, right now I would say all signs are pointing to Sunday. Uh, I got a text from him uh, mid afternoon and said, Hey, it might be Monday just with some other things going on. Uh, so, you know, we'll definitely be on the lookout as soon as we hear something, you know, one way or the other, um, you know, we'll certainly post that up. Now, you heard some of the answers there, some of the guests that we have coming in here. Wayne Wright, of course, is, uh, is a big-time guy. He and I have had communications uh, for quite some time, and uh, this is, I believe, his first opportunity to get in here. He's been doing this for 14 years, and that is the radio broadcast uh, for North Myrtle Beach. His family, I know, is a big-time name up there on the Grand Strand. They own the business. He got shut down after 52 years, I guess, retired and shut it all down. But, you know, he comes in here – Really, he may be the luckiest, you know, connection to any of this. Because not only does the team that he covers in college, are they undefeated, but so is North Myrtle Beach. I mean, you know, we talk about horseshoes and lucky charms, but does it really look a lot like a guy like Wayne Wright, who, quite frankly, you know, comes in here and and understands that, hey, his day is getting busier as that weekend gets closer, Eugene. Yeah, I tell you, I'm excited about Saturday. I was sorry, I was uh, trying to get that poll out there. Um, I'm excited about these state title games, man. And, uh, well, I tell you what, um, we've been asking for probably going back, what, uh, week three, week four, uh, you know, having game day in town, of course. You know, uh, Coach Freeze couldn't hold on to that victory. Uh, they had the chance to put it through the uprights there at the very, very end against NC State or otherwise, you know, they'd be undefeated. But, Right now, you know, the Sean Clears are 9-0, and I believe. And, uh, you know, over at Liberty, they're 8-1 and with that one being, I mean, let's face it, they got it down there. They had just won the week before with a 50-yard field goal. They had a chip shot, almost an extra point down the middle. NC State makes a heck of a play to block that. But, uh, you know, we got the matchup we wanted. We wanted a, a top-ranked a Liberty team, a ranked Coastal team. Uh, first time in history uh, that they have a, a, a battle at home with two ranked teams. And, of course, you know, with the game day, and that was something that, you know, we've been hitting at those uh, game day guys on social media and saying, you know, why not? You know, bring, bring them onto the beach, bring them onto Conway. Uh, it should be a fun time. But I tell you, you know, our, our guy over there um, in, in Myrtle Beach, he's going to have his handfuls, like you said, you know, trying to cover with uh, Wayne, trying to cover, you know, everything. Plus, you know, like you said, his alma mater uh, in high school is on the road um, in the state title game, and then of course, you know that it, I'm sure he's cut his eyes. He'll be there and have his eyes glued to uh, uh, the coastal matchup with all the fanfare, you know, going on there. Um, you know, we'll have to we'll have to talk to him because more than likely, I'm assuming he's going to be at the coastal game um, with all his job duties since that is his uh, A1 employer. But um, you know, that, what a big day for him! It's kind of like being caught between trying to be at two events at one time. So um, 
Well, well, when he gets on, we'll kind of figure out, you know, what's his plan for uh, checking out the uh, North Myrtle Beach game as well. Yeah, it's going to be a good time and, and some good conversations uh, with him there. Now, Ian Gurren is a guy who does a lot of stuff on the Grand Strand as well. He, he writes for a local paper up there, covers the sports. He dabbled in some politics at times. But he put out something just the other day. It was actually 19 hours ago that I noticed it while we were waiting for that 4A, 3A, and 1A football state final news conference yesterday to start. Uh, he put out some pretty good, solid information. But I want to give Ian all the credit in this one because here's what Ian put down. Again, this was as of yesterday. He said the, the 10 state finalists are combined of 85-1. and one. Now, the lone loss of the bunch was Marion, who was a team up there in the PD area, to King Street back in early October. Now, they are all number one seeds, which meant they won their region titles and they defended their home turf in the postseason. Now, the 10 finals played a total of just five road games in the first three rounds of the playoffs. Two of those belonged to T.L. Hanna, A.C. Floor. DL, uh, excuse me, Daniel and Lakeview each went on the road one time each. Now, Ian goes on to say Camden was supposed to have a road game at Oceanside. That's over there, of course, down the road from here. But for the Land Sharks had to forfeit, unfortunately, to the situation of COVID. Now, Camden automatically advanced. Of the 70 total playoff teams, games across the five classes, there were a total of just 10 seeded upsets, not included the, of course, uh, home sites between light-seeded teams. Now, that's about 14% of the games. Last year, with the standard, excuse me, the standard playoff format, the upset rate was about 24%. Now, of course, you start to look in this one, and you go all the way back, and he dated it to 2019, a year ago. Of the 10 teams who made it to the state finals, here's what the seeds look like. Number one seeds, we had six of them. Number two seeds, we had two of them. And number three seeds, we had two of them. This year, only four non-number one seeds even made it to the upper slash lower state finals, shaving the playoffs down to around this fall and, of course, cut definitely into the Cinderella effect. All that being said, my hat goes off to you, Ian Green, for doing some great work there while everybody was waiting yesterday for the coaches and the players to jump in front of a screen and, and, and say what they did and, and, of course, have that moment differently this year than ever, of course, because everything was brought to you by, of course, um, you, you know, uh, what, what's the uh, what's your format they're using over there, Eugene, where they're, of course, um, I, I, don't, I know it's not Skype, but it's um, the Zoom. Zoom, there you go. Take me a second. I'm just kind of a brain freeze here. But they're Zooming themselves in as they're having these conversations. There you see throughout some of the broadcasts, of course, with his hands over each other, leaning back with Tom Knox, who's looking for five in a row. As uh, these young men are eager and ready to play a team like T.L. Hanna, they'll, of course, uh, be defending a lot more than just a state champion. They're actually defending four state championships in, in one era as well but out of all those numbers and again eugene you are the number crunching dude on the staff here anything there does it kind of surprise you that we took the season shortened it just like you're going to see by the way in basketball is they're only taking the top two seeds in uh or positions in each region so the non-region games are more or less glorified um i don't want to say scrimmages but they're not going to count towards you making the playoffs 
but they've made every game in football, just like they're going to be doing in basketball, every game inside that region makes the biggest of world of difference, Eugene. Yeah, I actually enjoy, and I do like the playoff format of taking the top two out of each uh, of each region, man. I mean, you know, it's great for those guys who, who finish, you know, third or fourth and, and get a chance to experience that playoff atmosphere. Um, you know, for the seniors, they get another game. Um, the only the, the only negative I think about cutting those teams would be, you know, especially for those teams that struggle a little bit, you know, obviously if you didn't finish first or second, you know, you, you didn't have a great season as you had hoped or whatnot, uh, and it gives the young bucks a chance to get a couple more practices in and experience that um, that playoff atmosphere to understand just how hard it is to win. Uh, so it gives them that experience. But on the flip side of it is we've just had so many teams um, who would go into the playoffs with like a a three and seven record, and mainly that right. schools you saw a lot of that in five A ball where a team would be three and seven, make the playoffs, and, and go on the road and get slacked, you know, seventy to nothing. That's not a good experience for those kids, uh, and, and I just think that it's not. It's not a good look uh, as well, and it's not, you know, what are we saying when you can go three and seven to make the playoffs? Um, you know, I thought college football always had that good rule that you can't get into the playoffs with a losing record. I mean, a bowl game uh, for many, many years. I thought that was a, a good a good uh, kind of barometer or measuring stick. Uh, so I do like the one and twos. Um I could see maybe going to a one, two, and three, maybe give some ones a buy. I don't really know uh, how the math would add up with some of the regions just because, you know, uh, 4A this year we had to put a couple at-larges in in the lower state bracket. Um, but I really do like it. It makes the, all those region games so important. You feel like every week you kind of felt that sense of urgency even on the sideline and all week long that, you know, we got to win this one if we want to make the playoffs, you know, and, Look what we saw, you know, going back to, to Greenville. You know, they lost one game and didn't make it into the playoffs. Um, so, you know, it, it does it does let the kids know. It kind of lights that fire and says, you know, don't look past any opponent because, you know, a couple turnovers, uh, you know, the infamous bad call or this, that, the other, or drop pass or one missed tackle, and, you know, you guys could be sitting home. Uh, and so I do think it creates a sense of urgency. I think it causes – you know, players and coaches to kind of step up their game. Uh, you know, I did. I, I, I like it. I like the format. Um, and, and what I did see was outside of a couple games, uh, not notwithstanding a couple of, especially the Camden games, you did see, you, you didn't see any blowouts. Uh, you did see a lot of teams that just fought hard. Uh, you know, we saw a team like Northwestern that was a great team, but we didn't think they were in the likes of, you know, like the uh, the Dutch Forks and the Hannas or, or somebody like that, or even Gaffney. Um, and, and, you know, they put it together when it mattered the most. They got hot. There was a team like Dutch Fork that, to me, during the regular season didn't impress me a whole lot, but they got hot when it counts, much like the basketball tournament. You know, you got to win the regular season to get into the tournament. And then when you get into the tournament, you know, we've seen plenty of upsets throughout the history of the tournament. Um, and, and every week counts because it's it's one and done. And so uh, that's what I, I like about it. I like that a lot. Uh, I would like to see, you know, obviously this year, you know, we went to a six or seven game regular season. 
I'd like to see more games than that. Um, but I also do like the idea of if we do take the top two seeds in each region uh, as a playoff format from now on, uh, that you offer or give those guys a chance to kind of schedule that bowl game. I think you can get some pretty fun matchups. Again, that kind of soothes over what I was saying earlier about the Young Bucks finally, you know, getting that kind of playoff-type atmosphere and they get that extra week of practice. You know, you get to play a team maybe you'd never have a chance to play from a different area of the state, different region, that kind of thing. So it could be fun for that too. Um, so, you know, I, I think there's ways to work around this. Um one of the, the few positives uh, of this whole thing is I think we've uh, started to kind of drop some of the old old boy way of doing things, you know, just because we've done it the last 50 years, we've got to do it that way. I think we started to, you know, start not only thinking outside the box, but saying, you know what, let's go for it. Let's just try it. And, and we saw a lot of success in the things that were tried this year. So I'm, I'm all for it. Let's do the one and twos. Um, if we need to, we can certainly massage it and maybe have that bowl game type of game for the teams that didn't make it in the playoffs. Yeah, so you look at 5A football. Now, what does that look like? That's going to go Dutch Ford. They'll see T.L. Hanna. Now, T.L. Hanna was probably not a team. A lot of people thought they would get this far. And so, of course, you would imagine that Dutch Ford will be the team that everybody will feel like they have the upper hand in this. And it's understandable why they would say that. However, T.L. Hanna has beaten some good teams to get to this point, and they are the number one or number two best team, and we'll figure that out, and it'll work itself out after the weekend right now in 5A football. Now, in 4A football, it also gets interesting because North Myrtle Beach, and again, we'll have Wayne in here just a little bit. He is the voice of the, of course, Chiefs over there at North Myrtle Beach. He'll join us to talk about this, but they went through and, and handled business all season long, also going undefeated doing what they needed to do, beating Myrtle Beach team handedly. Not only did they beat them, you know, in one area, they beat them in about every area they needed to beat them, by the way. And, and to me, Eugene, then they went in to, to the playoffs. And, and you, you, you and I watched it where they, of course, uh, saw a team coming out of there out of North Augusta. Probably wasn't their best game, but you wonder how much they were looking ahead and how much you had, of course, Chase Simmons, who just had taken an offer, an opportunity to commit to Coastal, by the way, another connection there. And, you know, that, that wasn't probably their best game there in uh, that weekend of action. Then they go back and see Myrtle Beach in the lower state championship game and looked incredible. I mean, it was lights out. You had not one guy, not two guys, multiple guys on the defense over there I thought looked really, really good. And then, of course, on the offensive side, the quarterback, I thought he controlled everything when it came down to – keeping the defense of Myrtle Beach on their heels, along with that running back that stood beside him throughout the night. Now, so North Myrtle Beach punches their ticket, but who else punches their ticket? A team that has really got a solid quarterback, that Perry York, of course, former Gamecock, has his uh, quarterback um, league that comes down here, QB1. They come down here. Steven Garcia joins them at times and works out a bunch of different guys around the state of South Carolina. But one of those guys is his quarterback over there at AC Floor, who ended up knocking out a, a really good team as well at a Catawba Ridge. And, and you see that they knocked out Irma. But, of course, Irma had to knock out Westside. They had to knock out Greer. So, you see, there was a lot of upsets to get it to that point. On the other end of, the, of course, this side of things, you had, of course, South Point knocked out Greenwood. AC Floor knocked out Traveler's Rest. I think Traveler's Rest was probably the secret in all that conversation. But then all of a sudden you see that AC Floor is able to knock out a South Point. So now here they are 
after knocking down and knocking out the top of Ridge, they are, and a lot of us thought this, I think you and I, and I know a lot of guys that are joining us tonight will probably say the same thing, Eugene, and that is we thought that AC Floor would be here. I feel like a lot of guys are going to go AC Floor tonight. We'll wait. We'll see. 3A action, what does it look like? It looks like a heavyweight matchup may be one of the best matchups of all five classifications. We have seen, we have heard, and you guys heard right here on Monday with Eugene, the boys, of course, Daniel, and the fellas over there hanging out at Camden where these guys were going to finally get it head-to-head. We'll figure out who is the best of the best from the upstate to the lower state. It meets the middle state. We'll find out 3A action who's the best because Camden in that one-two punch in the running backs with the quarterback play that's really good. And they've got dudes, or they should say dogs all around, out there hunting, looking, and wanting a state championship. But don't be fooled by that lion that's going to be coming in there on that opportunity to see what they can do because they're locked and loaded with guys. And I'm telling you, a very impressive roster just as well on the other side of the field. So that, to me, is one of the highlights of pick type of games. And the 1A, and let's go 2A, you're going to see Marion. You'll see the big A. That's Abbeville. Now Marion ends up beating out Andrews. It was a rematch in the region. It was a rematch, another opportunity for Scott and the boys of uh, the Yellow Jackets to hopefully find that way, get that win on the road. Not easy to do. They saw that. Unfortunately for Andrews, their season came to an end. Fortunately, Marion will move on, and they'll see the boys from Abbeville. They handled business against a very good, very solid team out of gray. And to me, showed me, wow, this team is, as a lot of their fans say, legit. So we'll wait. We'll get some breakdowns in that one. And then the final action, of course, 1A football is going to be a Southside Christian team that I'm buying, by the way. I like what they have to say, and I enjoy watching what they do. We saw their feeder program come up a couple weeks ago to Woodland. That was their 12U boys came up here, and were in that South Carolina Youth Football Association Upper State Championship Games where they were knocked out, unfortunately, out of a team from Rock Hill. But that being said, they're loaded all the way down from 8U, 10U, 12U. And as you see and you will see when these two teams square off, and that is, of course, uh, the, the boys from Southside Christian end up taking on Lakeview, you'll see, again, very good football on, a, uh, on the stage. And, again, well-deserved honor for these guys to represent their schools. So, again, you, you see all these workouts we're going to have here in just a few minutes. Mr. Wayne White will join us. He, of course, is the voice of the Chiefs, who's been doing it for about 14 years. We'll get into some of that conversation as well. We'll talk about the, the Coastal Carolina Shanta Clears because they also are going to be doing some things, and they're also undefeated, by the way, ladies and gentlemen. It's going to be a great show. You don't want to go anywhere. If you want to dial us up, you can do that right now at 1-323-784-9681. That's the easiest way. That's the easiest way to get in touch with us, to hang out with us, and uh, get after it. So here we go. Quick break. Come back. Follow us on Facebook, Southern Sports Central, Twitter, SO Sports Central. We'll take a quick one. When we come back to the Grand Strand, we go with Wayne Wright, the voice of the Chiefs, and that's out of North Myrtle Beach. I was a baller, I wish I had a girl who looked good, I would call her. Wish I had a rabbit and a hat with a bat and a six form father. I wish I was like six foot nine so I could get with Leo. She could she don't know me, but yo, she's really fine. You know I see her all the time, everywhere I go, and even in my dreams, I can see 
monkey ball. I'm always last to be picked, and in some cases never put it off. So I just lean up on the wall, or sit up in the bleachers with the rest of the girls who came to watch they man ball. Dad, y'all, I never understood black weather jocks get the fly girls, and me, I get the hood rats. I tell them, scat, kittle, kebab, got hit with a body, and sit in a hospital for dark in that mess. I confess it's a shame when you living in a city that's the size of a box, and nobody knows your name. Glad I came to my senses, like quick, quick, got sick, sick to my stomach, overcome it by thoughts of me and us together, right? So when I asked out, she said I wasn't a type. I wish I was a little bit taller, I wish I was a baller, I wish I had a girl who looked good, I would call her. Everybody, I'm Rich Yellen alongside Eugene Benton. You're hanging out with us right here on Southern Sports Central and also hanging out with us all the way from, well, at least it may not be my hometown, but it's definitely the land I grew up in up there on the Grand Strand. It's the man, the myth, and the legend, Mr. Wayne Wright, as he comes in here with uh, a lot of connections to a lot of great things. And I got to tell you, Wayne, first of all, thanks for joining us here tonight as you are the voice of the Chiefs. You do a lot of things with the Coastal Carolina Shawnee Clears. And if there's a lottery ticket you can pick up up there on the Grand Strand for me, I'd appreciate it because it seems like you got the lucky hand, my man. I tell you, it's uh, uh, football's trying to pull the nose up on 2020 for me. It's <laughs> <laughs> doing a great right. job, man. So it's Good. it's glad to finally get you with me. I know you and I have had a chance to do a lot of social media back and forth on the inbox and, and compare some things. And a kid that grew up went to Socrates back in 19. 19- 97, I played against some of your, your baseball teams, but we never played the football part of our life in the sports world. But to see that you, of course, you know, got all that connection there, man. I believe you graduated, what, 1987 from North Myrtle Beach. You graduated from Coastal in 92, and you just can't get enough, man. You're hanging out at both campuses days later, huh? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, sport, sports has always been my life. And, uh, you know, like you said, went to – uh, went to went to coastal, worked in the 
athletic media relations, sports information office as a student, uh, was actually uh, had a had a job there a couple of times uh, when people were leaving while I was a student and then walked into a, a assistant AD of media relations job for a number of years and left and now I'm blessed to uh, be able to come back to something that I love and uh, no, no better time to rejoin a, a program with what's uh, going on there now. Live right now with Wayne Wright. Just a couple of things quickly here on Wayne. Of course, he is the voice of the Chiefs. That's North Myrtle Beach where I was hanging out with Southern Sports Central on the sidelines on Friday night. They took down their rival, the Myrtle Beach uh, Seahawks. And, again, if you don't know what a Seahawk is, Wayne and I can definitely break it down. It's not a bird, by the way, for you guys who think it may be. It's not that indeed. But it was uh, an opponent you guys saw on Friday night, Wayne, where, where you guys had not only beaten them, you know, Friday night, you beat them just about a month prior to that, right? I mean, you took down a team that everybody had said that with J.J. on one side, Randall on the other side, and dead square in the middle of that field, they were going to get a Ryan Berger that was going to give you guys all you could handle, but you did that. You did it with Vernon. You did it there with your, your big defensive end who's going to your alumni, by the way, Chase Simmons, and a slew of other great defenders. I think you guys couldn't have one of the best defensive teams I've seen all year. Yeah, I've been uh, I've been harping on our defense. I, I really said that that game, uh, the first game we played, which was uh, for the Region Six title, and then obviously the lower state championship last week. And in both games, it pitted you know our our strength, which is our defense, against uh, Myrtle Beach's strength, which is you know their head coach Mickey Wilson. Uh, he should be a he should be a college offensive coordinator somewhere, or at least uh, maybe working for PlayStation or Xbox or something with Madden because he comes <laughs> up with some uh, crazy formations, crazy plays. So you not only you not only have their talent, but you've got his uh, his offensive mastermind over there. But um, you know we've got uh, we've got Coach Hill, our defensive coordinator, is a mastermind himself, and he's uh, he's been drawing up some stuff. I mean we've only we've only allowed about twelve. Uh, a little over 12 points a game this year and um you know just on the defensive side of the ball to to take out uh, you know a, a, a daunted offense like they are i mean they you know they've for years have put up a lot of a lot of points and a lot of uh, a lot of yards and first game that we played them uh, we didn't allow a touchdown second game we allowed uh you know one score against them so you know, to play eight quarters and only allow them to get in the end zone one time, that's uh, that's huge. Hanging out right now up on the Grand Strand as I took the bus all the way back to my homeland up there in Horry County with the team that is representing the lower state this weekend is North Myrtle Beach and, of course, the Chiefs. But they'll be heard by the guy, of course, uh, that has been the voice over there for about 14 years, Mr. Wayne White. Of course, I got a chance to meet your sideline guy on Friday night, by the way. That's a great guy, man. I'm I know you said that you're you're in there with another guy that uh, you, you grew up with. It sounds like, but the guy on the sideline, man, you know, I know those guys are kind of the unsung heroes, but they getting in and usually getting yelled at two or three times by you and me and some of the guys that get to do the play-by-play, get to sit in that luxury box with the AC or or the heat in, in the case of Friday night. Yeah, uh, that's uh, talking about. I call him head coach. He yeah. was a. Uh, was our head coach for a while, Denver Cromer, and uh, just a, a long-time coach. He retired from coaching, um, and, you know, we we asked him to join us as a sideline reporter, and, you know, you can't really ask for anybody but, or you've got, you know, 
the the two buffoons up in the press box talking and uh then you know we get to throw it down to somebody who can actually you know reel us in and bring us back to the reality of football and and um you know it's just it's great having him down there he's a he's a good uh counterbalance i mean not to you know we 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 get it we try to have fun with our uh broadcast uh obviously and and give information on the game but uh you know also some insights and stuff but yeah having having denver on the sidelines to uh you know really pick apart plays and and be able to you know talk us through you know from a coach's standpoint um you know either what's happening or what you know what he would do in a particular situation it's uh it's it's a great balance and was a great addition. Uh, he's been doing that with us for now six or seven years, and uh, yeah, it's just just again just a great a great addition to what we've been able to 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 bring to Chiefs fans. Live right now, hanging out with Wayne Wright, the voice of the North Myrtle Beach Chiefs. He wears multiple hats, by the way, and we haven't gotten the other hat yet, but we're going to head that way in just a moment. Wayne, you've covered this a long time. You know, you've had a chance to uh, watch the transition of COVID come in and shorten the season a little bit and make every game really honestly count more than it's ever counted in region play before, along with a few other things. Uh, what are some of the positive things? Because I want to try to keep this thing positive, even though I know there's some fans out there that are seeing some things they didn't like. But what are some of the things that you've enjoyed this year, minus that you guys are in the lower, you guys are in the state championship representing the lower state this year? Yeah, it's, uh, it's really been nice watching. Um, well, as you said, I mean, I, you get, you got to pull the positives out of it. I mean, obviously the the negatives are that things like uh, things like this at North Myrtle Beach and what's going on over at Coastal are happening during a COVID year when you know you can't you can't have the stands packed full. You know, our Myrtle Beach games we would have had uh, you'd have had people standing on top of people in the in the stands. We'd had five six thousand people there. Instead, we've were able to sell eight hundred and fifty tickets. So that's the that's the biggest negative. But the the positive to me is is how um, how these young men and I, I I get sometimes talking about them and I and I see kids but they you know they're they are young men and for for what they've done and the sacrifices that they've made um, you know not only not only on the field and with all the hours of practice and everything that you do normally but now off the field you know they're uh, staying at home not going out with friends uh, you know well talking to some of them and talking to coach the other day, making the sacrifices at Thanksgiving, not to, not to get in the car and go to, you know, family members house up in North Carolina or wherever for, um, for Thanksgiving dinner, um, you know, really setting things aside that you would normally do as a high school kid, setting those things aside and sacrificing them, not only for yourself, but, you know, for your brothers, the rest of the guys that are on the team and, and I've heard that more and more from this North Myrtle Beach team than I've heard from any other. And um, I can really only equate it to a team that I saw uh, up close and personal quite a bit and was lucky enough to travel out to Omaha twice when the 2016 uh, Coastal Baseball team won the national championship, got to fly back with those guys. And those those guys were they genuinely loved each other they they played the game of baseball but they played it for their teammates more than themselves and that's that's what i see with this north myrtle beach team they're they're extremely close um you know just watching their interaction uh seeing how dedicated they are to the film room and you know and it's 
so that that dedication um, to me has been probably the brightest spot of of the of the COVID time. I mean, they it, it's not only that they want to play, but they want to play for each other, and they want to make sure that they're doing the right thing for the rest of their you know the guys on their team. Hanging out right now, Wayne White. He is the voice of the North Myrtle Beach Chiefs. Been doing this 14 years. Graduated right here at the same school where he's covering. That's a lot of fun, I know. And back in 87. Now, your counterpart up there, the guy that I would imagine does the color for you, is another graduate, right? I mean, back in 89, a couple years after you, Tyler Watkins walked across the stage there. Not the same look as it was when you guys were around back in your days, I would imagine. I know the light show wasn't there because I've been there before and never seen – such an incredible light show. And how about the tailgate? Or I don't know if it's a tailgate, but where the cars are able to kind of socially distance, if you will, but back up to that fence, man, that's a great idea. And I thought it added a little bit of character and definitely some tradition to what you guys added with the light show. Well, it's definitely uh, – first, I do the uh, – I'm the color analyst, Tyler uh, Tyler Watkins, who's uh, – you know, he's the, he's the play-by-play guy. He's the guy, if he doesn't show up, we're in trouble because he knows how to set up all the equipment. I just try to stay out of his way. And uh, But, yeah, the, the atmosphere uh, for North Myrtle game, we've, um, you know, we've – first we had to change what was on the field. Um, the product going back to um, – uh, going back to when Perry Woolbright was the head coach. Perry Woolbright came in in the late 2000s, and uh, he is now the head coach at Lexington High School. And we went through an 0-22 stretch. Um, you know, he he really uh, came in and changed the culture. We've had players, but uh, there, we didn't have the winning culture. We didn't have the people making the sacrifices that you know these kids are now. And um, you know, so he came in and got the ball rolling. And then Blair Harden, who's uh, now at uh, I just lost the name of the school, River Bluff. He um, Mm-hmm. He came in. He came in behind uh, behind Perry, and you know, really, really just kept that ball rolling. And now with what Matt Real's done, uh, you know, he's been here seven years. This is his fourth year as a head coach, and uh, you know, he's got basically I don't know almost eighty. You know, he's won about eighty percent of his game since uh, he's been the head coach, and and the team really takes on the you know they take on the persona of that uh, of the coach. I mean, he's. He's a he's a no nonsense guy, um, but uh, he he wants to have fun, wants to have fun at the right times. But he he genuinely loves the kids, uh, and that's something again, you know, you know the 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 players have picked up on that, and that's and that's something that um, you know really really goes through the entire program now. And then once that got going on the field we've all we've always had the community support i was i was born and raised here i've lived i'm 52 years old i've lived nowhere else other than in north myrtle beach and um this community is always back north myrtle beach high school well now you know we've started we've had a we had a uh, a booster that came in and that's roughly a three hundred and fifty thousand dollar led light system he donated that this year um you know so now we've got led lights that give us from a from a broadcasting standpoint because we also live stream all of our games audio and video um that the quality that we're able to put out there because of the lights is amazing plus now we've got players on the field when they look up there's there's never halos around you know the big lights it's just very crisp so 
So that part of it. But then these lights also flash blue and gold. We can cut them all and cut them off. And the the intro, and we just got a big inflatable helmet and a tunnel that they run out of. And a couple of years ago, all those cars that are parked in the end, those are season ticket holders and boosters. And uh, they they pay extra to have those spots. And um, for us on the radio, it's really nice because we get text messages and hear from those people because they're watching the game. You can still see the game good from there. They're watching the game, but they're listening to us on the radio. So, um, mm. so we, and, and they will grant it. If we make a mistake, they're going to let us know. But, uh, but it is, it is, it is great. And it just adds to the atmosphere. Well, I'm right now hanging out with Mr. Wayne White. He is one of the guys up in the box from the eye in the sky up at North Myrtle beach, where he's a graduate of uh, the chiefs back in 87. It's kind of part up there. Mr. Tyler Watkins, Coach Cromer down on the sideline. It is definitely the uh, that triple or trifecta up there. As I had a chance to hang out with you guys uh, on the weekend this past Friday night. Now I've been doing the, the broadcasting stuff for gosh knows uh, very close to 14 years. Uh, a lot of it over at Somerville, and now this year I've been over at Fort Worth. You talked about River Bluff. Yeah, I got firsthand introduction to uh, that coach this past uh, year as they came in, and that set. The, uh, the boys of uh, Fort Dorchester and the Patriots in uh, week one, around one, if you will. So, yeah, that's definitely a really well-coached oil machine up there in that Columbia area. Now, before we do turn all, all the things here, what, what is the game plan before we talk about Coastal? What is the game plan and how has this week been to keep these young men focused with all that's going on? I mean, yeah, I get that they're focused on the, the game that they're going to be playing this week in the state championship. But, you know, guys like Chase Simmons has got to have his eye over there at Coastal when they hear college game days coming to town. I mean, it feels like, man, it's almost too good to be true to have not one but two great storylines going on at the same time up there in your backyard. Oh, yeah, it's it's amazing, the the uh, the community right now. And I've seen it I've seen it with friends on Facebook. Um, I witnessed it the other day. You know, I, I had, some, uh, had some North Myrtle Beach Chiefs uh, gear on and just uh, – had to, had to run into a local Walmart, and I had three people stop me that I didn't even know, you know, and they were they wanted to talk about North Myrtle Beach football and didn't even know that I had anything to do with it. I mean, it, you know, it's just the the buzz around the community is amazing right now. And um, as far as keeping the guys grounded, again, that goes back to – I take it back to our coaching staff, and it's not just Matt Real – the assistant coaches, and I've heard him say it over and over again that he, you know, he honestly thinks this is the best uh, coaching staff in the state. And I think, you know, probably every co- head coach will say that about their coaching staff. But these guys are from top to bottom. Um, they're they're just amazing guys. I, you know, I, I watch them. I go out to practice. Try to go out to practice at least once a week. We usually make it out there two or three times. And, um, you know, they their interaction with the with the kids and. Um, uh just seeing just seeing how you know i guess they interact with the kids and how that you know how that part has uh has grown but it's always they always talk about you know the next game and i hear this i hear this from Jamie Chadwell at Coastal and i hear it from Matt Rill and the, all the coaches at North Myrtle Beach you know they never they never worry about two or three weeks down the road you know the the next game is the biggest game of the year well, obviously here for North Myrtle Beach, I mean the the next game's the last game, and uh, and it is obviously the biggest game of the year with us and AC Floor both both teams uh, playing for their first state championship and playing in their first state championship game. So a lot of similarities there, and um, 
you know, it's just been a, it's been a ride that, you know, you don't want to, you really don't want it end, especially again in a, in a year that's been, had a lot of negatives with it to, to have something like this come up for the community gives, uh, gives everybody something to kind of hold on to and, uh, you know, forget about, forget about some of the problems for, you know, two and a half or three and a half, four hours on, uh, on a normally Friday, but this week, Saturday night. Now, before we do turn this page, final question concerning the game coming up this weekend. AC Floor will be the team that you guys will be seeing. What does uh, North Myrtle Beach have to do to take out a team like AC Floor, who's got a quarterback that's coached by a former Gamecock over there uh, who looks to be very poised but also very disciplined to stay in the pocket, take a few hits, but also deliver a strike? What, what do you see is going to be the controlling factor to get this thing under control quick for the Chiefs? Well, I tell you, the watching I've watched a couple of games uh uh on the on our on our huddle for uh AC Flora and this this has a lot of similarities to me of like I was talking about with the with the Myrtle Beach, North Myrtle Beach game. Uh you know, their their strength relies on, you know, more on their offensive side of the ball. They've put up they haven't allowed uh, hardly anything on defense all year long. Um, you know, I'm not not too sure in looking at the schedule and everything. I'm not too sure, you know, how what um, how strong their opponents were. Uh, I know that Region Six Four A, which is what we play in, especially the last probably four, five, six years, has been easily the strongest Four A conference or Four A region in the state. Um, at one point this year, and we've had it each of the last two years, um, as many as six teams in our region. This year, I think we got to five at one point. We're ranked in the top um, top ten in the state. So, uh, but when you look at their numbers and 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 their guys, their their quarterback Ethan Beamish, uh, you know he's he's completed seventy percent of his passes. That was the first thing that I looked at. I was like, you know, I don't I don't care. I don't care if you're throwing the ball a lot or not throwing it at all. You complete 70%, you're going to draw attention. Um, and then they've got, you know, they've got a kind of a three-headed monster at running back. Uh, they've got one that's over 1,000 yards and the other two over five. So very balanced attack. The thing that uh, the thing that North Myrtle Beach has, and um, and I've said it all year, I guess we'll see if it holds true, is, is that, you know, if you – if you want to come and try to run against North Myrtle Beach, I, I really like our chances of winning. Our our front seven, um, our front seven's amazing. The the front four really putting pressure, uh, you know, up on the on the defensive line or on the defensive ends. We've got we've got two guys, Chase Simmons, that you talked about, that's uh, committed into Coastal Carolina. He's he's six four, two hundred and fifty pounds, and then on the other defensive end. We've got Henry Duke, who transferred in this year from Tennessee. He's six six two thirty five. Um, you know those those two guys just put a lot of pressure. And then we've got a kid that's five ten two twenty that plays a lot bigger and hits uh, probably harder than either one of those. Mark Bellamy in the middle of the defensive line. And if those three guys can put pressure, um, that allows that allows us not to have to you know, bring those linebackers and drop back in coverage. So when they do look to pass, um, you know, and that's what we were able to do against Myrtle Beach. We were able to put pressure with the front four and not have to, uh, not have to send extra guys. So I really think it's going to be, it's going to be one on, you know, which team, 
you know, brings their best game from their best part of their team, which is their offense and our defense. Yeah, I agree with you, and I like your breakdown. I agree with it 100%. It is very Myrtle Beach-looking-ish, and I'm going to say this. When when that defensive coordinator for North Myrtle Beach, when your guy decided to take the two receivers and push them to the corners and then force that running get back to come up the middle from Myrtle Beach, it basically took them out of the ball game because it's just hard to do between that entire front line of North Myrtle Beach, and I know that's probably going to be a similar game plan coming up for you guys this weekend. Now, we quickly changed gears because I don't want to keep you past my time. I requested from you, buddy. But, of course, back in 1992, man, you're walking, talking, doing your thing over coastal. It came to an end as far as being a college student. You became a college graduate. But what do you do? You stick around for a few years there. You hung out as the uh, assistant athletic director for media relations back until about 2002 where you mentioned uh, to me that your company, your family, by the way, uh, had a, a home business, right? You guys, uh, hometown name over there for 56 years before you guys decided to shut that down. And here you are back over there in media relations, hanging out with football, basketball, and baseball. Not a bad trio to hang out with here lately with the Sean and Clears. But, you know, what's it like over there, man? I saw the trucks coming in. I saw all that excitement as uh, multiple TV stations were blasting all over social media. For me, you know, I played on that field, but it wasn't turned that way. If you remember Conway, had the graveyard there, and that's where we would play our preseason game. Remember, what was it the CNBC Classic? Oh, yeah. And then we would play the Tigers would play there every Friday night. So different, but yet kind of similar feeling as I watch that field. You know, uh, anytime it's on the TV, or we'll see it on Saturday. Yep from uh, from the from the uh, field that was turned the other way, and uh, I, I watched uh, many football games there when I was growing up, but also. Uh, Got to got watched many and worked many Coastal uh, Carolina soccer games as they played on that same field. It was you know it was always the 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 goal of the of the soccer team once we had a game in hand was to see how many balls they could kick across Highway 544 into the graveyard. <laughs> so um, <laughs> so that was that was that was always uh, fun times and it was you know something they just uh, wrote an article and our our athletic director Matt Hogue. Uh, Who's a very good friend of mine. When he came to uh, when he came to Coastal, he actually came in as a uh, marketing assistant slash sports information assistant slash uh, radio guy. And um, Matt and I got uh, very good close friendship. And he just there was an article and he brought it up and he, and and I had forgotten about it. But when we went to break ground uh, for the new stadium, nobody had been on that field in months and. So a couple, a uh, few days before we were going, we were going to have the groundbreaking. We went out there just to kind of clear off a little area. And when we went out there, the entire field was covered with wild watermelons. Um, I mean, there were <laughs> watermelons everywhere. And um, so, you know, we're, we're picking up watermelons to throw them out of the way so that when we did the groundbreaking, you know, we didn't have these big watermelons laying around. So, yeah, it's come a, come a long way from uh, – from the watermelon patch to the uh, to the surf turf, as we call it, with the uh, with the with the teal artificial turf, and then you know just what this game, what this team is doing. Uh, you know, David Bennett obviously got us started off, and um, uh, then with Coach Moglia coming in and really late, raised the level um, with things that he did. It allowed us to move from FCS to FBS in football, and then. Um, and then Jamie Chadwell coming in. I mean, Jamie's Jamie's really changed the he's changed the culture. It's a 
it's a true family. I love hearing these guys talk and talk about Jamie. Uh, you know, the, we just had our press conference today, and uh, Silas Kelly was in there, and he was uh, he was really, you know, just talking about that that family, uh, the family and his brothers, and and it's what I hear every week when we have our weekly pressers is, um, you know, these guys talking about how they 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 play for their brothers, they don't play for themselves. So it's um it's just it's amazing. It's you know the the ride that Coastal's on, I mean, up to number 14 in the country, uh, playing Liberty this weekend, and they're number 25, got, uh, you know, ESPN College game day coming in, which, you know, that just doesn't happen to a, to a, uh, to a G5 conference um, or, or, or G5 team very often. So, you know, Coastal's been able to, in a, in a COVID year when there's obviously strange things going on and, um, you know, this is this is one of those years where you know there were opportunities there, and luckily we've been able to take care of or take advantage of those so far. Now, Wayne, when you look at all the things that are happening, and we've been very blessed with Jamie Chadwell, of course, he was down here at Charleston Southern for a while, so I had a chance right. to get to know him pretty well. And then, of course, uh, we've had some of the other guys on here as well. And and, and I got to say, man, being a kid that grew up and and I said back in my days, had I had there had a football team. Back in the day uh, when I was growing up in 1997, I might have picked to go there and play baseball for Coach Gilmore, who is still a legend in many eyes and, of course, won a uh, national title as well, by the way. And that's, by the way, and you and I know this and Eugene knows this, that's when everybody got introduced what a Chanticleer really is. I know they're getting an update and a, a, a refresher, but it started back when the boys won it in the, uh, in the course of the summer, the spring, if you will, of uh, the baseball season. Now, that being said, do we know? Do you know? Because you are, by the way, the media relations team, part of the team over there with the Shauna Clears. And I've seen everybody give me their two cents of where it should be. The thing that breaks my heart the most is that there's no pavilion. That would be the perfect spot. It's gone. The Magic Attic and that whole little area, it's gone. So a lot of landmarks, not tourist traps, but landmarks are, are gone from what you and I would remember growing up as kids, man, with the water boggins and the, the, you know, the Myrtle Beach Grand Prix. All that's gone. So where do they have a game day off the of campus, or do they just take it to campus? No, no, it's going to be right there on campus. Uh, they're actually coming in tomorrow. Uh, my boss, who has my – he's got my, my old job, uh, Kevin Davis, and just an incredible job that he's doing. And I don't uh, don't envy the job that he has. But, um, you know, we're – we're all pitching in and trying to trying to help him as much as possible. But he's the he's the point man with football, and he has spent uh, an ungodly amount of hours over the last couple of days. As soon as uh, as soon as college game they announced that they were coming to uh, Coastal, I don't think he's gotten off of a, a, a teleconference or a Zoom call or you know and walking. Around. Uh, production truck came in late this afternoon. Uh, production people are there. Tomorrow's when they'll. They've kind of already got the spot picked out. We did that through, or they did that through some uh, through some videos and things of different areas. But they will finalize that. Probably they've probably already done it since uh, since they got on campus this late afternoon. But um, but it'll it'll be there. It'll have the you know with the with the field around and uh, you know just the and it's another thing that we talked about. And I, I go back to like the '91. The 91 Coastal Carolina basketball team was the first team that made the NCAA tournament. We talked about it back then about, you know, you just can't pay for this kind of publicity. 
well, that was in 1991 with no social media. And, you know, we went and played Indiana and we only lost by 10. We played a great game. But then you get the 2016 national championship team in baseball. Again, can't pay for that kind of, uh, you know, for, for that kind of exposure and that kind of advertising for the area, for the, for the university, for the, for the baseball program in particular. But, you know, you can trump all of that with what this football team's done. And a lot of it's because of, you know, how, how big football is. I mean, just the entity of football itself. But, uh, you know, when you get, a, you get a program like College Game Day, if you're a college football Saturday morning from the time you're little, you're watching college game day. And uh, that's and that's what all of the players have been talking about. I mean, they're, they are past beyond excited about uh, game day being on campus. But, um, but again, you know, the, the, the millions of dollars that you would have to pay to, to get this kind of attention and exposure for, for the, the entire Grand Strand area, uh, specifically Conway where the, where the, campus is but the entire Grand Strand area the you know the university our athletic program and then and then you know to get down very specific to the football program it's just uh you know it's amazing and it's, it's fun to sit back and it's fun to be a part of but it's also fun to sit back and, and just kind of watch and soak in and see, see the things that are going on wrapping up here as we are getting close to the top of the hour with Wayne White he is one of the half if you will maybe uh, part of the team as you can say, for the last 14 years of bringing you that game of, of course, up there on uh, North Myrtle Beach and the Chiefs. He's been doing it 14 years. And uh, he, of course, uh, will be calling one more game this year, the most important game of the year, as the boys will be traveling to the middle part of the state to meet up with the team from the upstate, AC Flora. And then, of course, uh, you're going to be doing some double duties because you're also – doing your thing with the media relations team over there at, at Coastal. How does your weekend go, man? What do you do going forward after this radio uh, interview and, of course, uh, tomorrow through the rest of this weekend? Well, through the rest of the week, I'll be, uh, I'll be doing whatever I can to help, uh, help with getting college game day ready. I mean, the, the game's the game. It kind of goes on, and we, we all know what to do there. It's just kind of, you know, uh, uh, it's just habit. But – the um but with college game day again just just do whatever they need done to make their their production run smoothly and then you know saturday i kind of my only regret is or my only the thing that i hate is is that this couldn't happen on two different saturdays where i could you know thoroughly enjoy both of them but um luckily uh kevin davis again the he's assistant ad for media relations at coastal He's uh, got a good friend down at Charleston Southern, called him up. He's coming up to help with stats, which is what I do during the game. I'm going to be there during the first half keeping stats, and as soon as we get to halftime, uh, anybody that's around, you'll see uh, you'll see a little short white guy go sprinting across some parking lot to get in his <laughs> Jeep and uh, drive to Columbia and Benedict College as quick as possible to get there before, uh, before we go on air at 7 o'clock tomorrow night. So, Or, I'm sorry, on Saturday night. So it's um, it's kind of going to be a whirlwind day on Saturday, but you know it's it's one that in both you know it, both of them are things that you know I just couldn't couldn't envision happening, and and you know here they are finally happening all the same day. Yeah, well, it's 2020, man. If it ever was going to happen, it definitely would happen this year. But congratulations! I mean, again, get me a lottery ticket over there at one of the local uh, hotspots where I know you probably know where to pick a few up. 
over there off of uh, 17 Business as you're making your rounds between Coastal and North Myrtle Beach. Tell the coaches, not only Coach Chadwell, but Coach Real, who invited us over there last Friday night for the win. Uh, great uh, job. Continue to do what you're doing. And, again, uh, Wayne, thank you for all that you do on and off the air and, and anywhere that it seems like you go. seems like you're making a great impact, man. I appreciate it on behalf of a kid that grew up in Horry County as yourself, man. Uh, good to see one of my brothers doing some greatness, man. Well, uh, I really appreciate it. I would like to, real quick, you just tell me if I can before I say it, but uh, can I give a little shameless plug for our uh, for our game Saturday night? All night long, brother. Go ahead. All right. If, uh, if you if you want to hear some uh, uh, two crazy guys talking and uh, see a good football game, I know there's, uh, there's going to be some people televising it, but uh, um, I will warn you now, we are homers when we're on the air because we're, we're both North Myrtle Beach Chiefs guys, but uh, – nmbchiefs.com uh, again we've been doing radio for 14 years we've been but we've also we added about seven or eight years ago we added where we live stream video and audio and it's uh it's really a i think it's for what we do it's uh you know pretty close to tv uh tv quality production and um you know for those that we've got a lot of people here that the tickets went on sale at four o'clock today at 402 they were sold out online so We've got um, we've got a ton of people here in our area that aren't going to be able to watch it, um, or they aren't going to be able to watch it live. So, nmbchiefs.com and um, you know, pull pull for the Chiefs, even if you're not a fan of ours, uh, pull for us anyway. Because any any positive uh, any positive thing vibes that we can get, they're all good. Oh, and one other thing, I'm also I just need to add because the Pittsburgh Steelers just won, and I'm also a big Steelers fan. So that would be the North Myrtle Beach, the North Myrtle Beach Chiefs, the uh, the Coastal Carolina Shawna Clears, and the Pittsburgh Steelers are all undefeated, and they've only got one thing in common. And that's me. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I love it, man. Hey, Wayne. For all honesty, man, I love it. Anytime you got some spare time, which by the way, Monday night, I don't know if you do, but we're going to try to find a. A, a minute or two, if you can give us, man, we want to bring you back in here on Monday and recap all this craziness because you're our one-stop shop for all of it, man. So we appreciate it. Wish you the best of luck. Please travel safe. Enjoy the weekend. Enjoy the moment. Say like I tell the young kids, man, at one moment when you're on each one of those fields, man, close your eyes like we used to do and breathe it all in and just enjoy the moment, my friend. Uh, sounds good, Richie. Thank you very much, and I'll uh, I definitely enjoy being back with you on Monday. You got it, buddy. We'll talk to you soon. God bless you. Yes, sir. All right. Bye-bye. All right. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. He is the voice, one of the voices over there, as you hear, for 14 years. He's been hanging out with uh, his alumni, the North Myrtle Beach Seahawks, and it's 7 o'clock on Saturday. They'll see the lights of AC floor, but where is he going to go before that? It's easy. He's going to be at Coastal Carolina hanging out with a few of his closest buddies and, of course, the college game day crew, and they are going to play at 2 o'clock. Minus what you might have heard, it's still on. Game on. Still over at Conway, South Carolina. I know it says Myrtle Beach, but it's actually Conway is, uh, is, is the honest to God truth. That, that's a little bit more closer to that location. But that's a 2 o'clock kickoff there between themselves and Liberty. We got a break, not a long one, because guess who's coming up next? Mr. David Shelton, as we bring the bus back from North Myrtle Beach, Coastal Carolina, to now. It's the low country, and his very own David Shelton, right out of this, guys. Don't go anywhere.
welcome back, everybody. Quickly here, the top of hour number two, one of the Mr. Wayne White. He, of course, is one of the halves of, of course, um, well, the North Myrtle Beach Chiefs radio broadcast team. He graduated there back in 87. He's been doing this radio thing for 14 years. He's also part of that media relations team, which, boy, he's definitely getting his work in this week with the Coastal Carolina Shauna Clear. So he'll be at the game at 2 o'clock at Coastal. He'll then get in his Jeep. He'll roll up 378 over there, of course, to Benedict College, 7 p.m. for that kickoff with his Chiefs and the boys from AC floor. So now I bring in Mr. Of course, David Shelton. You can find David Shelton with the Post and Curry. He writes for the high school course report, and you can hear him here on Wednesday night. So, David, appreciate you hanging out a little longer, man. I'm sorry you couldn't get through, my friend. Yeah, it's just a little phone issue. Wouldn't, wouldn't connect, but uh, I got through. <laughs> I appreciate it, man. Talking about getting it through, man, it, it seems like we've gotten through almost the entire season of football. We'll save that for the final few minutes because I know you don't have a whole lot of time tonight like you normally do. But basketball, we got a chance to see the JV guys and girls tip it off yet on Monday. The varsity boys did that last night along with the girls. Man, uh, what's your take so far as uh, we're midway through the opening week of uh, high school basketball? Well, still, still way too early to tell anything, and and we still got a long ways to go. We're gonna we're gonna have some issues. They're they're gonna crop up, so we're gonna we're gonna see a little bit about what we saw in football with some rescheduling stuff. But you know, I, I think Porter Gout and James Island right now are the two best boys teams in the area. Um, I think if they played, it would be a fantastic matchup. Of course, Porter Gout is a ski school, but uh, very talented, uh, very experienced. Uh, James Island has two of the best shooters in the low country um and then you know and i think oceanside's pretty good in the boys um you know but after that it's it's kind of a crap shoot i i don't i don't it's hard to tell after a half a week or or just a couple of games uh bishop england boys should be good um you know i don't know that they, they won't be as good as they were last year where they were undefeated all the way till the playoffs but but they'll be pretty good and you know the, the typical teams like north charleston uh, they're going to struggle a little bit. They got they lost Doggy Brown, and that was a big loss for them. But they lost some other guys too. But typically, they're they'll be very competitive. Uh, Burke, you know, people like that are are always pretty competitive as well. Now, when you see teams like uh, let's go to Region uh, Seven and Eight and Five A, of course, they're only going to play each other. I know Fort Dorchester was going to be in the Round Ball Classic. That's not going to happen now because of the simulations and everything. The, the simulations of uh, I guess. They decide they're not, they don't want to put them in a chance, an opportunity to, to to slow that season down. What's your thoughts on them sticking to that seven and eight region? And then I also want to get your thoughts on shutting down the gyms between that Dorchester County area, between Somerville, Ashley Ridge, and Fort Dorchester, where they're going to be doing live streams, but yet no fans in the stands. Yeah, no fans and no media. Uh, they, I, I, I inquired to see if I could cover a couple of games, and uh, no, not, not at least not until January. But uh, I told him, I said, you, you know, I wear a mask everywhere I go, even to the bathroom. So, you know, I, I would be safe. But, uh, you know, that's the way they want to do it. So, uh, but yeah, but the cross bracketing region seven and eight, they do that in football. Um, so it's, it's not unusual, and, and I think, you know, that's, that's ten pretty you know, pretty good 5A teams. I mean, I mean, some of them are pretty good, some of them are not. But um, it's nothing unusual with, with that. Uh, it keeps it easy travel. Um, 
And and like I said, they've they've done this in other sports, so it, it's nothing unusual. Same rule applies. Like we learned in football, this is where region plays matters more than anything. David, they're going to take the top two, like we saw in the football season. They'll do that for the guys and the girls uh, in the basketball season as well. And I would have guessed wrestling will be a part of that conversation going into the uh, into the winter sports. Yeah, yeah, it's just going to be the the top two. Um, makes it uh, very important to win as many region games as you can, and and those two regions will be pretty competitive. You know, with with uh, Fort and Somerville and Ashley Ridge and Stahl and West Ashley. Uh, you know that that all those teams are pretty good. Uh, you know, uh, as far as competing in the Low Country, so you know, only two of those teams will make it, and then in the other region, you you know, you got Wando Goose Creek is ranked in the top ten preseason. Uh, those are probably the top two teams, but you know Berkeley's there. Uh, you know Cane Bay and Stratford could could pull some upsets, uh, but it, you know when it's only two teams instead of four, uh, every game counts a lot, especially in basketball. Yeah, I saw last night Somerville actually was on the road at Wando. They they lost a tough one after having some leads going back and forth. I know Fort on the road at Cane Bay they picked up a big win, and of course. Uh, you know, West Ashley always seems to have just kind of a different deal. They, they, they're pretty solid in some basketball on that one. Uh, but uh, as you look at things across the board, wrestling uh, comes to mind. Uh, your thoughts on wrestling, David? I know you've been covering sports for a long time here in the low country, but wrestling is literally, I mean, it's head-to-head as they start the match. Do you, are you surprised that this is an even an opportunity they're going to even try to venture into? Not surprised they're going to try uh, because you got to try. Um if you're gonna, if you don't try, you fail e- immediately. So you got to give it a shot. Right. It is going to be touch and go. I, I think these winter sports are going to be, are going to be touch and go. And, and you know maybe if the, you know I see numbers where the you know the testing is people are popping up positive more and more and more. Maybe we'll get a vaccine. But you're right. I mean I I, I don't know uh, how wrestling is going to handle this. Um, you you talking about a lot of disinfecting of the mat. You're talking face-to-face competition, you know, for six minutes. Um, you know, whether or not they let fans in, I would I would assume that it'll be very limited, uh, people-wise, just to cut down on the possibility of of a COVID problem. So, you know, it's going to be touch and go. We're going to see. You know, we're seeing it in college basketball quite a bit already, and um, and they're and they're as well equipped to do this as as anybody. So, you know, I, I think the high schools are going to have to really uh, cross their fingers if they can, you know, get through. We got through a football season, but uh, basketball and wrestling is going to be a, a different animal, I think. Yeah, no doubt. As we uh, did get through football season. Let's go to football season now. Before I ask you about the games coming up this weekend, we got five of them on the schedule in two days. So in 48 hours, we'll have uh, about five different state champions. But how about the news to your alumni where Grady Robinson uh, steps down, retires after I believe went home, enjoyed some Thanksgiving dinner, and man, them grandbabies—they got an effect on you, no doubt. My parents tell me all the time that this job will spoil them, and my job to retrain them. And I believe Coach Robinson went up there and spoiled not only the babies, but they spoiled him a little bit as he's deciding to step down as the uh, head football coach over there at uh, Berkeley. And uh, you, you start to put all that into perspective. Look at the season. I mean, look at the seasons in five years of the numbers he's put together. A pretty good. Uh, he left a pretty good track record behind him. Yeah, he won 44 games and uh, won three region titles his first three seasons. Uh, last two years, pretty good teams. Uh, this year, was uh, they ran into a really good schedule at the end. But, 
you know, uh, I, I can totally see his point. You know, I don't think Randy Robinson is done coaching, and I told him that when I interviewed him yesterday. Uh, you know, we've been friends for a long time, and, and I said, Randy, you're not done coaching. You may put in that area, Pickens, easily, Traveler's Rest. Uh, I don't think Daniel will come open. I think Jeff has, has got that job secured. But um, but I, I just don't think Randy's done coaching. Uh, maybe as a defensive coordinator, maybe as a head coach. But the important thing is, is he's going to be closest to his – his grandkids now, uh, his youngest daughter's getting married next weekend. Uh, they all live up there in the Clemson area, in the Daniel area, Central. And, uh, you know, so he's going to be home. And, I, and and as I told him, my grandchildren, I have two grandchildren, and they live 20 minutes from me, and I can barely go a week without seeing them. So I can't imagine, you know, seeing them once every couple of months. Um, uh, that just wouldn't that, – that, I, I couldn't imagine that. So I can definitely see his point. But I think he's going to coach again, and, and I think Berkeley will find a very good coach. Um, you know, that'll be a that's a primo job. It's not, you know, I wouldn't call it one of the top ten jobs in the state, but it's certainly one of the top fifteen or so. So uh, you know, they got athletes, they got support, great community. Uh, it's it's a great place to coach football. Hanging out real quick, David Shelton. You can find him at the Post and Courier, also the High School Sports Report. Bobby Harden hangs out with them on Fridays, and we get them on Wednesday for a few solid minutes here. We're now talking about the uh, the opening, if you will. I know last year there were 19 to 21 openings. This year it starts early. I don't think we'll see 19, but I do think this is a big one. If you had to speculate in your crystal ball, you seem to be pretty good at this. Who do you think is uh, – who would be your top three guys you'd go after if you were that AD over there at Berkeley? That's, that's that's a good that's a good question because you know Jerry Brown will be on the list. Uh, he will apply. Right. Uh, he wants to come back. He lives now in Monk's Corner. Um, he's not done coaching. I, I talked to him a couple of weeks ago at an event they had at Berkeley where they just named the players' entrance to the stadium uh, after him. So obviously a lot there'll be a lot of pull for Coach Brown. Um, you know if Berkeley. You know, Coach Brown's like almost 70. Uh, I don't know that he's going to give it 10 more years. I mean, I can't speak for him, but, I mean, that that's asking a lot. And, uh, you know, five years, if, if they want to do this again and have to hire another coach, uh, you know, that may, be, that may be an issue with who they hire. I think they, you know, I don't have this on any authority. I'm just guessing. Mm-hmm. Uh, they may want a, a younger guy that will commit to, you know, they can build a 10-year. And Randy was – fully intent on staying there until he, you know, until they wheeled him out. I mean, he was fully intent on, that was his destination job. He loved that job. Uh, but, you know, family comes first. And, and Coach Brown, when he was at Berkeley, left in 2010 for the exact same reason, to go to Columbia, to be near his grandchildren. And lo and behold, he got up there and he started coaching again. So, you know, I think Randy will. I think Jerry will be, Dr. Brown will be a candidate uh whether or not they go that route. And then, you know, there's some guys around the state. Uh, it's hard to tell which head coaches might be interested. Uh, but, you know, I mean, I mean, I'll just throw this out. I mean, I don't think the money is near enough. But what if Tom Knotts wins another t- state title and decides, you know, I've had enough to Dutch Fork. Now, I think Tom Knotts can go to Georgia and make a bunch of money. But uh, and Berkeley will not pay what he's making at, at Dutch Fork, 110 grand. Berkeley's not going to pay that. But he does have a he does have a home on Pauley's Island, which is relatively close. And you know maybe he's going to think, hey, my time at Dutch Fork's done. I've I've won five in a row. Uh, you know I've done something nobody else has ever done in this state. Um, you know guys like Kevin Roller, who's an offensive coordinator at Dillon, 
is definitely going to be a head coach someday, and Berkeley would be a great fit for him. Again, I haven't talked to him. I haven't talked to Berkeley. I'm just throwing out, you know, names. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kevin Roller may end, may end up being the next head coach at Dillon, so that may be why he doesn't pursue Berkeley. But I think he's a I think he's a great football coach and 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 a guy that would you know that would probably commit to to being there for for the extended period. Well, I agree with you. And there's of course uh, a coach up at Northwestern. I believe he's got some ties to the Low Country as well. So uh, definitely, and I like what you had to say about Coach Knox. If he wins five, I got to be honest with you. Coach, uh, I, I think he's, he may have 99 problems, and money definitely ain't one, and nor is winning state champions. Uh, but that would be, I thought, a pretty lucrative job for Coach Knox to come down here to get as close to Polly's Island as he can and, and really, honestly, a top-10 program to work at in, in, in the state of South Carolina. Now, let's look quickly, because I know you got to get out of here, David, but we look at the big games this weekend. You see T.L. Hanna. You see that team, Dutch Fork. Nice segue, by the way. Uh, what do you think? Does T.L. Hanna have anything left? They definitely have shocked the state, making it this far. Can they stop, uh, continue the shock, or is it all said and done and five in the hands for Dutch Fork? Well, I, I, I don't think it's said and done. I think Hanna can do some things, uh, but, but I, I, I just go back to saying what I've said all year. Dutch Fork can score, but their defense is highly underrated. They're really good on defense. They don't give up but like nine points a game. Um, they shut out Sumter. Now, now Hannah with their offense, that that uh, wing Delaware wing T offense is very tough to defend, and you don't see it. Uh, so you got to prepare for it in a week and and try to do your best. The game was relative. The game was a one score game two years ago, and then Hannah fell apart in the fourth quarter. I think they had five turnovers in the fourth quarter. Uh, one was a scoop and score that kind of opened up the game, and then you know Dutch Fork went ahead and won that you know by by several touchdowns, I think, by 20 points, 28 points maybe. Uh, it'll it'll be an interesting game. I, I, I'm i not going against Dutch Fork. I mean, you win 49 in a row and you're playing for a fifth straight title, I'm, I'm not picking against them. Yeah, no doubt about it. Now, here's a team that you and I continue to talk about, but did North Myrtle Beach do anything on Friday night to, to get you maybe to lean that way for a – you got A.C. Flora, of course, Perry Park – excuse me, Perry – uh, Orth over there, the quarterback from the former Gamecock uh, athlete. He's got his big-time quarterback there doing his thing. But does Matt Real have anything that he can bring to that middle part of the state to upset AC Floor? Yeah, it'll be a great game. I mean, you're looking at two programs that are undefeated. They're playing in their first state title, both schools. So one of them's going to win their first ever state title, and uh, two great communities backing. Uh, you know, it's going to be a great game. Uh, you know, AC Floor can run the football. Uh, that's their game. I mean, they they've only they only throw about eight or nine passes a game, but they run it a lot, and they do it very well. I think they average 324 yards rushing a game. Um, you know, that's going to be tough for for North Myrtle Beach to to stop. But North Myrtle Beach also runs the football pretty darn well. So they're they're very close to they're mirror images of each other. They both have great defensive lines. Uh, they both like to run the football. They're, you know, they're both playing in their first state title. Both are extremely well coached. So I think that's going to be a great game. I, I don't, I don't know if it'll be very high scoring, but uh, but I think it's a great matchup for for sure. Now, you you think AC Floor is able to pull that one out? Is that where we're going to write it down? AC Floor for you, David. Uh, no, I think I'm still going to go North Myrtle Beach. I, I just feel oh, like that, that they played a little tougher schedule. I think they played a tougher schedule over the course of the year. And, and when you beat Myrtle Beach twice, 
in one season, you're pretty good. So I, I think it's going to be very close, though. I don't think this is going to go one way or the other or blowout. I got you. So, all right, look at there. David's going to go with the boys of North Myrtle Beach and the Chiefs. Let's head down to 3A. You see Camden. You see the Lions of, uh, of course, Daniel. That running back, too, was pretty solid. But, boy, everybody across the other side of the field pretty impressive as well. Who do you like in this one? I think another great matchup here uh, in 3A football. Yeah, this is going to be the best game of the weekend. And, and folks, wherever you're at, if you can watch it on your local television, it'll be, it'll be broadcast on television everywhere uh, all over the state uh, because of the ticket sales. This is going to be a high-scoring, fun, fun game. Uh, I was talking to somebody today, and I was just making a joke that the over-under for total points is going to be 90, and they'll probably be over. Uh, it, these two teams can score. Um, uh, Daniel averages 53 points a game. They do it through the air with a lot of receivers. They throw it around the yard, and then Camden does it, uh, averaging about 46 a game, and they do it on the ground with two really good running backs. My question is, and I saw Camden last week, and they are really good, but but Gilbert's a run-oriented team, and I think Camden's defense was set up to stop that. I don't know. Camden has not played a team similar to Daniel and what Daniel does offensively all year. I mean, most of the teams they played were were kind of power run teams, and and Camden can handle that. If Daniel were a run-oriented team, I would take Camden. But I I got a feeling that Camden's secondary is going to be – uh, extremely challenged. You know, Gilbert Gilbert didn't score but one touchdown last week, but they had two or three passes wide open. Uh, the secondary was lost for Camden, and they didn't. Gilbert didn't catch him or didn't connect. I, I don't think they can do that with Daniel. Daniel's going to connect. Their quarterback, Trip Pierman, he's completing about 77% of his passes. So those guys get open, and he hits them. And I, I'm going to take Daniel in, in a high-scoring game. I mean, I think this could be like 50 to 45, I really do. Should be a good one in the 3A. Now let's look at 2A. There are some things that we're hearing. I don't know if you've heard. I'm not going to even get into it. I know Eugene's kind of tapping here and trying to get me to let you know. We'll we'll shoot you a text message. But this next matchup between Marion and the Big A, and I'm talking about Abbeville because they already took care of the other A. That was Andrews. That being said, what do you like in this matchup, and does Marion have a chance, or did they blow it all last week where they had to beat a, a team in the region for the second time? Well, you know, I, I mean, I'm picking Abbeville. Uh, I think Abbeville has been the best team all year. I think they've proven that. They've only given up like 30-something points all year. Um, they played a pretty good schedule. Now, Marion does some things offensively that concerns Abbeville, Coach Jamie Nichols. I mean, they they can run a spread. They can line up in the power eye, and then they can go to the – to the to the rugby style old Leonard Johnson type, just pack it all in and run it down your throat. So, you know, it's a lot to prepare for. Um, I, I think I think Abbeville can stand up to that run. Um, I think Marion's defense is going to be pretty good. But I, I, you know, with Andrew scoring, you know, in the 30s last week, I, I think Abbeville is probably a little better offensively overall. Um, I'm going to take Abbeville uh, maybe by you know, 10 or 12, 14 points. I don't think it'll be an, an awful blowout, but I, I think Abbeville is the best team, and I think they proved that all year. Now now they got to prove it one more time. All right, final game, and i got a question to ask you, two questions to ask you before I get you out of here, David. You see this matchup, we kind of saw it coming. Southside Christian continue to do what they did. They will 
be a team that is on a mission, but they got to get through a team like Lakeview and the Gators in 1A. Another big matchup. Again, I think the matchups are pretty solid, top to bottom, but another good one here coming up. Yeah, yeah, you you got a you got a Lakeview team that loves to run the football. They get in that wishbone and they double tights and they just cram it down people's throats. But the defense at Southside Christian is very good against the run. That's their strength. They they really do the run and they held a very explosive Lamar team to one touchdown. Uh they've only given up three touchdowns in the playoffs against a pretty good schedule. Um so Southside Christian's defense is going to is going to be able to match Lakeview's offense. Uh, I think Lakeview's defense will be able to contain Southside's offense. I don't – you know, I, I, some people think this might be a high-scoring game. I really don't think that. I think it's going to be, you know, maybe 21 points wins this game. Um, I'm leaning right. Lakeview right now. Uh, but anything can happen. I think it's going to be – I think it's going to be a very – like you said, uh, it's another really good matchup between two even teams that where where their strengths play to their – to the other team's weaknesses. So that's why I don't think there's going to be – I just don't see somebody just running up a bunch of touchdowns in this game. Live it up real quick here with, of course, David Chilton. He, of course, is going to be found in the Post and Courier, the high school sports report. You can hear him on Friday nights during football season up there with uh, another legend that does what we do, of course, in the radio world. And, of course, uh, you guys have been doing this a long time. Uh, you know, years and years and years. Took a little second or two off, but then right back at it. And you've been doing it again, uh, not only this year, but years before with Phil Cornblue. Uh, let me ask you this, though, David. We've seen what happens when COVID hits these kids during the playoffs and during the season. What happens if one of these dirty words hit us all of a sudden right before the game on Friday and Saturday? Is it a forfeit, or do they delay it for another week? What, what is the standard? Because there is not another game after this. Yeah, that, there, there will be no forfeits in the championship games. The high school league uh, set that out uh, back, way back. Uh, because it's the last game, there are no all-star games next weekend or the weekend after. So there's technically you got two weekends. You could go all the way to the 19th uh, and play a championship game. It would obviously just be one game. Um, you know, you could if something were to happen, and you know, if something happens, that means I was right on because I predicted we'd have this problem. <laughs> Uh, it's been too it's been too good of a year. I predicted we'd have a problem, and I, I'm not saying we're going to have one, but they will play this game um, eventually somewhere uh, at some point. Um, if if it's an issue where you need two weeks, you know, a week off and a week to prepare, you could play on the 19th. I mean, technically, I mean, you could come back after Christmas and play it. Um, I don't think they want to do that. I think they'd like to get it done before Christmas. But you do have a couple of weeks to play with, and that's why they set the schedule up like they did. Well, David, we're hearing, and, and, and this is uh, the next last thing I'm going to tell you, we're hearing, and, and Eugene sending us messages here on the other side of the glass, that, that there is rumors and speculations and some parents on social media from Marion with some concerns. So you may have a story, as soon as you jump off the radio with me here, you may have something to work on pretty quickly here because we're hearing words that, that in two-way football there's a conversation, and it doesn't have anything to do with Abbeville. So, uh, that's why I asked that question. I don't want to put speculations out again. Social media is only right when it's right, and it's usually wrong, unfortunately. But where there's a little smoke, there may be some fire and some people saying to hold your tickets in uh, in Marion. So we'll, we'll wait and see what's going on there with that, David. Now, final thing, your question, our, our poll question of the day is, should the athletic director 
be allowed to be the head football coach. And when you saw this happen years ago, when they took it out of the coaching hands and coach, of course, LaPrade, one of the only ones definitely here in the low country. And of course, you know, Scott Durham is that over at Andrews and there's some others around the state, but what is your take? Do you like the idea of taking it out of the coach's hands and putting it in administration? Or do you think it should be something to be visited back when it comes back around and say, hey, we need to put it back into or at least give the opportunity for these coaches to be athletic directors if they're qualified? Yeah, I, I personally, I don't have a problem with it. Um, uh, I think definitely at some of these small schools, like in the Andrews situation, um, you know, you, you can only put so many people in a position and pay them. Um, you know, I think at Andrews they have kind of co-athletic directors uh, where, where right. during the fall somebody handles stuff and then during the spring Scott uh, handles it because he's not in football. I, they used to do it that way. I, I think they still do. I'm not sure. But but I've never had a problem with it. I mean, I know some people say, well, if your football coach is the AD, you know, or if your baseball coach is the AD, you know, they, they tend to lean towards their – their sport, I, I I just don't buy into that. I, I think most athletic directors want all their sports to do well. Um, you know, it worked okay at Somerville for, you know, 60 years. And um, and they've won in other sports and won a lot of state titles in other sports. So I've never really had a problem with it. I can see people's point. But me personally, right. I, I've, I don't have a problem with Steve LaPrade being the AD. He's got help. Uh, he's got an athletic secretary. He's got uh, he can divvy up duties to the coaches to let them kind of handle their sport, and he just kind of oversee it. Um, you know, so I, I don't I, I don't really care one way or the other, but I don't really have a problem with it. I got you, man. Well, David, I appreciate it. I kept you longer than I I know you told me I could, but as always, I appreciate it. I still owe you a Matt's Burgers or wherever you want to go. And the hardest part that I got to be honest with you when when, when coach decided to retire uh, over there in um, Monk's Corner was uh, Coach Robinson, you know, wherever you're going, there's no Music Man barbecue, and I bet you that's what brought back, uh, Dr. Brown back to uh, Monk's Corner. <laughs> well, that I'll tell you what, uh, that brings me to Monk's Corner about once every couple of weeks. That mac and cheese is unbelievable, I'll tell weekend. you that. Oh, I can imagine. Hey, look, and when we were up there, when the fort made that trip over to Berkeley, the radio crew, we tried to take care of each other, a little fraternity, if you will, of of guys and girls that do what we do on Friday nights. We feed them, they feed us, and they fed us that Music Man barbecue. I was thinking, man, I think they're trying to get me to where I can't do a broadcast because that stuff uh, sits on you pretty quick. Well, and it's it's uh, definitely nap time after you after you eat there. It's uh, <laughs> exactly. I don't eat there before football games anymore because I fall asleep by halftime in the press box, and that's not good for my job. I need to actually watch the game. No doubt. David, thank you for what you do, buddy. Uh, heading, I guess you're heading up to the state, or are you hanging around the, the low country today or this weekend? No, no. I'll, I'll be up there Friday for the uh, Dutch Fort game, and then I'll be at the two games at Benedict on um, on Saturday. So I'll be three games at Benedict and uh, watching the Camden-Daniel game uh, on the live stream because I don't want to miss that one. No, that's going to be a good one, man. Thanks for what you do on and off of any radio broadcast and the newspapers, man. We definitely appreciate you, and uh, thank you always for hanging out with me, buddy. No problem. See you all later. All right. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. David Shelton, you can find him in the Post and Curry. You can find him at the high school sports report. You can also hear him with, of course, Bill Cornblue, one of the guys, the legendary men, 
to do what I get to do on uh, not only Night Fight tonight, but uh, Friday nights and a few other nights as well. Now let's go to this man, and we're not even going to take a break because I've got him waiting for a minute, and you know i got to bring him in with style. Ladies and gentlemen, let's get ready to rumble! And you know that's going to be time to bring in Mr. Joe Hughes. He went eight and two, by the way, last week. And I got to bring him in to get some more picks this week. He's only got five picks, and I got a feeling he knows somebody that has him uh, leaning in the right direction. Of course, Joe can also be found not only here on Southern Sports Central, but multiple media outlets around the great state of South Carolina and North Carolina. As he writes for the Gaston Gazette, the Shelby Star. What's up, Joe? How you doing, man? Man, I hate it. I had to wait a little bit, man. I know David Shelton was giving us a, a history lesson. We needed it. We definitely got it. We appreciate it. But, uh, man, I got, I got to tell you, man, when I get a chance to get you and David in that one-two punch, man, that's like bringing in, you know, that, uh, that, that starting pitcher that's going to slam it down your throat and the relief pitcher that's going to shut it down and get us into victory or at least get us in the winner's circle. I miss that guy, man. He always, he always keeps the good food around him. You heard him right there earlier, man So you're not going to be there this weekend Because I know you and I talked earlier today You and I, but we got a lot of things going on this week I mean, South Carolina alone Got so much going on Between Coastal, between five state championships And by the way, there's some wrestling And some some basketball And some other things that are happening with the winter sports Mm -hmm. But uh, when you look at these games Let's dive into them, man You got Dutch Fork, you got a team like T.O. Hanna You know T.O. Hanna very well You're, by the way, uh, a kid that, uh, you know, you've watched them, you've, you've paid attention to them, you know their history, but has that spirit of radio, has it carried them this far, and does it have enough for big old radio looking down from the, uh, from, from the heavens above to get them through and upset a team like Dutch Fork on uh, Friday night? Yeah, it's, it's both radio and Chadwick Boseman. Remember, uh, Black Panther was also a T.O. It is Boseman. Look well. at you. So, uh, I love it. This 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 team is basically. I I want to I want to sit here and try to put that link there, but I'm also if I did that, I feel like I'm not giving them their just due for just being true to who they are. Yeah. Uh, right. I think I think every single week of this playoffs, they have been at some point. You said, "Hey, Ridge, you can beat them." I was one of them. Then they go to Gaffney. Gaffney is better than them. They do. They beat Gaffney on the road. Then next week, you know, playing against Northwestern, they're playing the most complete team in the state. They they uh, go on an eight-minute drive that basically sends them to the state championship game. There isn't this team yeah. just doesn't quit. They're a bunch of dogs, and they they just continue to fight and fight and fight, and it's it's hard to pick against them. You know, I think if if there was somebody other than Dutch Fork on the other side that everyone would be like, yeah, we, we can pitch, pick Dutch Ford, yeah. I mean, pick T.L. Hanno, yeah, yeah. But it's the fact that they are against the team that is vying for a fifth straight championship, something that's never been done, and the fact that T.L. Right. is basically playing into exactly what Dutch Ford does best, and that's mm. to uh, stop the run, and which – it it, it 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 kind of feels like you, they're kind of walking in with one hand behind tied behind their back, but that isn't necessarily the case either. 
on the on the times that T.L. Hannah did throw the football last week, they looked like they could throw it. I think that they're going to have to mm-hmm. throw the ball at times that they usually wouldn't, you know, in this game. They cannot be predictable in the passing game or else Dutch Fork is going to eat their lunch. Yeah, and here's the thing. I think Dutch Fork is more receptive to give up the points, but they're also receptive to get points. I mean, I think that's kind of how it is. It's almost like watching, if you would, a Big 12 team, right? They, they give up the points because they know already we're going to score 60. We just got to keep you from hitting 59, right? And, and I think that's kind of been my thing for even teams like you saw Sumter. You saw Carolina Force where these guys were putting up some points, especially Carolina Force, you know, where they were able to put – at will. And, and that's not something in the past I saw a lot at because, unfortunately, I, I've been a part and seen Dutch work more than I wanted to see them in postseason during my days at Summerville. And then even last year, I made the trip over to watch them play Fort Dorchester. And, again, defense didn't give up much. But the offense still was clicking and ticking. So, yeah, I, I think Dutch Fort definitely is going to have um, have the game plan to what they do. Now, here's a team that I know you have a lot of respect for, Matt Real. Loved what you had to say about them this past week. But now they got their hands full with a very good quarterback. Of course, got that game, that Gamecock connection there with Perry Orth and a few other big dogs around him on both sides of the field on AC floor. But does uh, the North Myrtle Beach team have some more magic that they can bring from the Grand Strand and hang out in the middle of the state on Saturday at 7 o'clock and pick up a dub? Yeah, I think the thing is it kind of cancels itself out just a little bit because – you would have loved to see this matchup without COVID. You would have loved it to see it with a full stadium because you know all of Little River was going to be in Columbia. You all, you also know that that whole North Strand was going to be in Columbia. And then AC Flora is right down the street. Uh, AC Flora doesn't necessarily travel well, but that has more to do with how the state, how, how District 1 in Columbia is kind of divided. You have the inner, inner part of Columbia in Richland County is just a who's who of schools. But you would love to see a, a full, a basically a packed house for this game, but you're not going to get that. And you're basically going to get a pretty smash-mouth football game between these two teams, <laughs> two teams that are basically the same in just about everything they do. You know, North Myrtle Beach has has uh, thrown for less than, on average, 100 yards per game, but they, they're close to 250 on the ground. Then you have, look at – uh, AC Flora that's basically solely on the ground and rushing for almost 350. So when you look at these two teams, it's, it's going to be smash mouth and it's going to come down to who opposes their will in the trenches more than the other. It's I, I can't wait to see it. And I, have, I, it's one of those games that you really have no idea who's going to win just because of the fact that they just are so alike and so much like the other. Right. But if you had to pick a team, and you do, by the way, who do you go with? Ugh. The funny part is <laughs> I've been kind of wavering on this and waffling all day. Uh, I if you'd have asked me earlier, if you have asked me earlier this morning, I've said Flora. But right now, I'm kind of feeling a little better about North Myrtle Beach, just just more so because of again they they're played in the toughest conference in the state. And right. AC Floor AC Floor is basically playing right into what they want to do. They're just they're just strong all over the map in turn on the on the they're starting eleven in defense. And right. that's going to be a tough thing to to kind of fracture. 
North Moto Meech has his hands cut out for it as well. But I'm, I'm just kind of leaning that way right now. Right. Well, we'll wait and we'll see. Very similar AC floor is to Myrtle Beach, by the way. I think that's a, 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 a comparison that we heard earlier. And I, of course, uh, you and I were talking earlier today before we jumped in here and had this conversation. We're live right now with a man who has done great things. By the way, served and took a lot of time with this same North Myrtle Beach team because he covered the Grand Strand for a paper down on the Grand Strand the Sun News for many, many, many years and did a great job. I know they hated to leave uh, that area, but currently you're now up there in the that, that part of the state of North and South Carolina. You're covering both with the Gaston Gazette and the Shelby Star. Joe Hughes joining us here, getting his, his selections on 3A. Daniel, boy, the Lions looking good, but do they, can they, and will they take a chunk out of the Bulldogs and win the state championship, or is it? That, that one-two punch in the running back and a solid quarterback that's going to have something to say about it. And here come Camden with an opportunity to win a state championship. Man, it's uh, that's going to be – and I hate to sound like David, but uh, that's odds-on that's going to be the best game of the weekend. And my question is always whenever uh, Daniel plays a team like this, do they have the team mm-hmm. speed to match up and – we know that Camden has team speed for days. But on offense in particular, we know that Daniel has it to burn as well, especially in, in how they pass the ball. When you have a, a quarterback that, that's thrown for almost 2,510 games, you're doing something special. And uh, Camden's going to have to deal with that. And I don't know if they have enough on the back end or they have enough points that they can put up unless they do it real quickly to, to match that because right. Daniel's going to put up. 30, 35 to 40 points in the football game. The question is whether Camden has enough uh, offense to to make it make it work. So you're going to go Daniel on this one when it's all said and done and, and, and see how the the dice roll come uh, this week? Yeah, it, it, you would think I would have already learned my lesson from last week picking uh, picking against Camden, <laughs> but uh, I really think this and you is, both. This is just a tougher match. This is a tougher matchup for them in all facets. Now we look at two way, and, and we have heard some speculations via social media that there's some parents not in Abby's book that you figure out where that may be coming from, telling people to hold tickets because of a word that we don't use on this show. Now that being said, if that is true, they will not play this game this weekend. They'll delay it a week. Does that help or hurt? either one of these teams, and if it does play this weekend, do you really think Marion's got a chance to beat Nabby, though? They have a chance. As I said, I've, I've liked Marion for some time. This this team, has, this type of team, this type of uh, – they've been primed for this for a few years. You, you kind of saw the, these kids kind of building and building and building, and they finally got to the point where, hey, we're, we're playing for a state championship, and I, I'd hate to see anything that would – compromise the situation in any way because you kind of already see that with Camden just a little bit where people say, hey, you got one, you're able to, to skip around because of another team's discretions or whatever. I don't really think it hurts or hinders anybody, to be honest. They're kids. Uh, kids ain't really thinking about, hey, we play next week, I'm, I'm going to lose this or that. No, they're like, man, we're playing for a state championship. We'll play it in the sparking lot. The kids don't care. It might be a minor inconvenience to parents and some some people that are holding tickets, but I don't really see it as right. a, an advantage or disadvantage for anyone. 
and when you know when the whistle is blown and the ball is kicked, Marion's going to have to deal with the A bone offense. Period. Mm-hmm. And no one stopped it yet, and they have a front that can. But the question is, that A bone offense is basically offense playing defense playing offense. You know. Yeah. They they they're going to hit you, and they're going to hit you hard, and they're going to continue to hit you for. 60, for 48 minutes until you relent. Do they have enough bodies to, to basically make Abbeville kind of cower? I don't think so. So you're going with the big A over there by the promised land. Abbeville getting a nod at 2A, and we finish up before we let you go in 1A. Of course, that's Southside Christian. You see the boys of Lakeview. Boy, the Gators have been biting their way through the lower state, but can they take a chunk out of Southside Christian or these boys and the upstate got enough to take it out, win a 1A state championship, win a Sun Dunger. Someone's got to win something from Dillon County, right? <laughs> Somebody uh, does. I know who's not. <laughs> right. I know who's not. But um, <laughs> Lakeview is quietly one of the state's, you know, proud programs, one of the blue, blue bloods in kind of the lower classification. And – Right. Them get it. It seems like every every three to four years they get back here and get back here and they win. This is probably one of their toughest toughest deals in part because of the fact of how Southside Christian plays football. They they don't try to put it right. in the phone box or the phone booth and try to you know outmuscle you. They want to uh, they want to spread it out a little bit and then can't have the capacity to kind of put things back in a little bit when need be. With that said, right. Uh, I'm more of a stickler for power football against finesse. And if they're able to, if they're able to basically kind of shorten the game a little bit, if they're able to, to do a little of that, I think it could swing in their favor. I, I'm, this is one of those games where I'm, I'm not totally sure. Just like, uh, just like right. the, the, the 4A game. Right. And I'm not, I'm not confident in my choice, but right now I'm, I'm leaning leg view. One Lakeview. There's another one. So, so far, Joe is going to go Dutch Fork, North Myrtle Beach, Daniel, Abbeville, and Lakeview. You heard David, who joined us at 7 o'clock. He has Dutch Fork. He's got North Myrtle Beach. He's uh, got, of course, Daniel, Abbeville, and Lakeview. So, very similar there. Joe, as always, brother, I'm going to let you go. Dang it. Appreciate I appreciate you. I hate, I hate agreeing with that? that guy, man. <laughs> I hate agreeing with Shelton, but he. Yeah, I guess it's great. Hey, great mind, man. Great mind. Hey, if you hang tight, I'll put you. I'll put you in the green room because coming up right after you in about thirty seconds, I'm going to get Cole Bryson, who works with the ESPN Upstate. He's also the voice of the Burns Rebels. He does his show, uh, you know, uh, on Saturday mornings up there. Uh, so hold on, I'm going to put you on hold so you can listen to his comments and see who he picks real quick before we get to the top of the hour. But I do appreciate you, Joe. Let's see, man. Eight and two last week. Let's see if you can go five and zero, oh, man. I may have to send you a belt if you win this one. <laughs> Don't do that, man. That thing will end up, <laughs> Lord knows where, with my toddler. This is very true, buddy. God bless you. Take care, man, and enjoy the weekend. I'll talk to you out there, my friend. All right, man. All right, there you go, ladies and gentlemen. And I like that. Let's go to the upstate. He's been working, man. This guy's grinding during the day, and he's calling in our show here tonight. And that, of course, is the man with the plan in the upstate. Cole Bryson, play-by-play guy for Burns. He's with ESPN Upstate. He's the host of Saturday Night Scramble, and now he's with us here to pick a few games. What's up, Cole? Hey, man. How y'all doing tonight? 
We're good, man. We're good. I got you for about 10 minutes. I know that you're working late, and I appreciate you calling in. I got five games and, uh, and a question. I may end up having to go and, and keep Joe. Hold on. I know, Joe, you're listening, too. I may bring you in just so you can listen to it a little closer. But uh, first of all, thank you for coming in here, Cole, hanging out with us. Let's start in the first game. That, of course, Dutch Fork, T.L. Hanna. You've watched T.L. Hanna. That's in literally your, one of your backyards over there where you live at in the upstate. Do you think T.L. Hanna can continue to do what they're doing? I don't say the Cinderella team, but that would definitely be something they might get if they find a way to knock out Tom Knox on, uh, on Friday night. Well, you know, you talked about Joe. Joe and I saw T.L. Hanna Friday night and talked a little bit about that uh, T.L. Hanna team over at Northwestern as they were able to pull it off. Uh, T.L. Hanna's they're superb. I mean, there's no doubt. They're a good football team, uh, and they're going to have to play their perfect game. And I've said earlier in the week on, a, on another show, Richie, that in order for T.L. Hanna to win, they're going to have to control the clock like they've never controlled it before. They're going to have to control the line of scrimmage, and they're going to have to just beat up on Dutch Fork. And, and, and the, the sad thing about that is many teams don't beat up on Dutch Fork, uh, even if Dutch Fork doesn't have the best offensive line. Their, their offensive firepower, in my opinion, is a little bit better than, than T.L. Hanna's. So if T.L. Hanna can control the line of scrimmage and control that clock and keep Will Taylor and Dutch Fork off the field, I give them a slim chance, man. I'm not, I'm not trying to be, you know, Debbie Downer, but, uh, you know, the way that I saw Tom Knotts sitting in that conference on Tuesday with his arms crossed, leaned back, he didn't look like there was a worry in the world. And, uh, you know, if this was a Ty Olenchuk-led team and this was one of the Dutch work offenses of the past, this game would get ugly quick. Uh, and that's no and that's no slouch. That's no slap in the face of T.L. Hanna. I mean, T.L. Hanna's a really good team, but when you play a, a style of offense like T.L. Hanna does, say T.L. Hanna were to get down, uh, they don't have an offense equipped where they can catch up quickly. So uh, their, their best chance is to keep Dutch Fork's offense on the sideline. We're going to keep moving here as we're live right now. We're Cole Bryson. He's with the ESPN Upstate. Does a great show on Saturdays, Friday nights up there. You can hear him as he calls the games for the Burns Rebels. We're going to look now at 4A. Let's go over there and you see a team that, uh, well, quite frankly, AC Floor. Very good, very well coached, but they're going to see a very aggressive defensive style team out of North Myrtle Beach. Uh, what do you like in this one, Cole? You know, I think this was a close one. I think uh, 3A and 4A are the toughest to pick. Uh, 4A's, you know, you talked about North Myrtle Beach and, and the consistent season they've had. Man, they just had a, a consistent season, and they've done the same thing all year long. I mean, they haven't wavered, uh, and they've been excellent. AC Flora's offense is really good, though. I'm actually going to go with AC Flora in this one. I, I think AC Flora, uh, they've been on the rise now for a few years, and I think they get it done. All right, you mentioned that 3A, man. I won't waste any time. We looked at that court and say, team like Daniel, man, continues to get stronger week after week. But here comes a running two punch in the backfield of Tandon with a good quarterback. Who wins this win when it's all said and done in four quarters if they don't get some extra football? Man, everybody, and I, I didn't catch uh, your, your other guest's pick on this one, but everyone I've talked to and heard from has picked, um, has picked Daniel in this one. But I'm going with Camden. I've seen Camden in, in person this year, and I've seen Daniel in person. I saw Camden come up to Burns and beat Burns, and I saw Daniel beat Chapman at Chapman. Both are excellent football teams, and I really think it's going to come down to – I know this is cliche, but I think it's going to come down to who has the ball last, man. I think this is a the best game of the weekend. I'm excited for this one. But I like Camden 
uh, and their running back, and I apologize for forgetting the, the young man's name, but I, I'm telling you, I saw him in person. He's unbelievable. I like the Bulldogs to win the 3A state championship. We're going to hear that's a person, by the way, because David Shelton did pick, a, of course, the boys of, uh, I, I want to say he, he actually, he picked, not he picked, I wouldn't say that he picked Daniel. Yeah, he did pick Daniel. I'm looking at my notes now. So, two Daniels, one Camden. Now, the next matchup is a Marion team who has been hitting the airwaves on social media. I don't know, Cole, if you've seen it. There's some conversation of a word we don't use here that may have creeped up and around that town, which would implicate they may not play this weekend. You can kind of go where, know where I'm going with this. But if it happens, when it happens, Abbeville will see Marion, whether it's this weekend or the weekend after, because of a delay. Does Marion actually have a shot here? Is Abbeville just as good as their fans keep telling me they are on every social media that they open up? No, they don't have a shot. I mean, I, I hate to be blunt, but uh, they don't. Right. Abbeville is uh, – they're, 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 they're legit. They're the real deal. And if it happens, it's going to um, – I don't think it will be a bad football game. I think it will be a good game. Marion's – I mean, they got to Columbia for a reason – they're there for a reason, sure. but I think Abbeville's the you know the real deal. I know they are, and uh, I think they'll uh, I think right. they'll win if that game happens. We'll come back to this game in just a minute before I get you out of here. Here, coming close to the top of the hour with, of course, uh, Cole Bryson, play-by-play guy over there for Burns. He's with ESPN Upstate. Does an incredible job on Saturday mornings. We'll get you that link here in just a few with Saturday Scramble. It is a great show to recap all the stuff that's getting ready to go down. Now, that being said. That being said, let's go to this final game, and that is Lakeview and Southside Christian. I've learned more from Southside Christian, thanks to guys like you and and Joe and a few more. But Lakeview continues to do what they do. They're in a pretty good county, as you heard Joe just mentioned. And uh, they got some dogs or some some gators in this situation that are pretty good. What is uh, your take on this game, and is it basically a Lakeview game to lose? Uh, I'll be honest. I don't know a ton about these two teams. Obviously, followed Southside Christian a little bit, them being right here in Greenville or in Simpsonville, rather. But um, I, I would be lying if I if I came on here and gave a big bold prediction of why I thought a team would win. But you know what? Just for uh, kicks and giggles, I'll go with uh, Southside Christian, man. Let, 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 let's roll with uh, what are they, the Sabres? I'll roll with uh, Southside Christian to win the one A championship. <laughs> well, if you look at the logo, it's SSC, which is like Southern Sports Central. We'll see how I pick this one coming up. Because Chuck Reedy, by the way, is our, our celebrity guest coming out of retirement, out of his restaurant, to hang out with us here at the top of the hour. So, you know, uh, I'm curious to see what a guy that's coached, at, of course, at Clemson. He's coached at uh, Baylor. He's coached over there with the Gators. He's been coaching for a long time before he hung up his whistle. So I'm curious to see the uh, the coach bring in his uh, his breakdown of, uh, of the games coming up this weekend. But back to one of the conversations that we had with, David Chilson, and, of course, I mentioned it briefly with Joe, was that what if, and there is a conversation that's circling around the world of social media, but what if that word COVID hits one of these teams here? Would it surprise you? I know it shouldn't because Burns, I don't even think you guys even played, what, maybe five games and y'all played less in a whole month than some teams played, quite frankly, in, in a whole season, right? So when you look at it that way, uh-huh. if it hits, if it hits like we've heard it's for the team, they move it back a week. What's your thoughts on that after you've seen some teams had to forfeit their game and didn't get a chance to play it a week after because of the situation? I mean, I hadn't been on, on Twitter today, so I don't know. But I'm telling you, man, I don't think 
I don't think it's just my opinion. Again, I could be wrong, but I don't think there's. I don't think yeah. the high school league will move any game back. Has there been anything that has come out uh, that, that contradicts that? Eugene, I want you to chime in here. I'm going to bring you in for the uh, for, for some of this as well because Eugene's been working the world of Twitter. Eugene, break down a little bit of what you're seeing as you're tweeting out these conversations and, and all your picks. But Eugene has seen a lot of this on on Twitter. Eugene, give us an update on the World Wide Web, but well, actually, and also over on one of the uh, uh, Facebook groups tied to uh, Marion, I've seen parents set telling other parents, "Hold on to your tickets. It looks like it might be." another week uh we did do some research and david also um chimed in on that uh it is correct that the final state game uh originally when it was rolled on uh by the high school league would not be uh canceled or ended in a forfeit it would be continued uh it looks like they have built in all the the way out to december 19th to have a final game now the location may you know, who knows about that kind of stuff at this point. But um, it looks like they could play a game all the way out until December 19th. Hmm. Cole, you've seen this firsthand, brother. I'm going to ask you, man. Your boys and Burns guys, of course, hit with it very hard. A lot of teams in the upstate did. You saw teams like Oceanside. They had to forfeit their whole season. You saw a team in skis that had to forfeit their whole season. When it comes to something like this, man, you know, if I'm, if I'm Oceanside and, and I see that's the case, I know you don't want to cause a lot of noise because, it, you know, it may or may not be a good political move, but at the end of the day, you know, it, it's, a, it's a rule change in the middle of the season. What's your take on that, Cole? Well, we might have lost Cole, so, uh, you know, when we look at it, uh, we'll, we'll wait and see if we pick him back up, but Nevertheless, Joe, are you still with us, buddy? Yeah, I'm still listening in. All right, cool. I figured you were. I wanted to bring you in. (laughs) (laughs) Now, you just heard what Eugene said, and we're we're not going to keep you but another minute here because we're (laughs) at the top of the hour. But and and I just want to get your 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 opinion. You've been doing this a long time. You're you're a big time. I mean, a big time guy in my book in this field. Oceanside had to forego their season because of COVID hit them during the playoffs. If it's true that a team is hit with that situation coming up this weekend, they're going to allow them to hold back one more week and play it next week. If you're Joe Call, which, how do you handle something like that? Because the other situation was in Skiza over there with Johnny Waters, who, by the way, coach of the year in his region, well-deserved. But what's your take on them kind of not saying they changed the rules, but they added a, an asterisk by it or, or, or a divot, if you will, into – the end of the year and allow these teams to kind of adjust accordingly. The state championships is an event that you have to have. If you, if you're going to have the playoffs, you sure. have to have that end point. Whether, right. no matter how it happens, because just because of the fact that if you it is your signature event, just like if you start the basketball season and do not have the state championships, it it kind of leaves a sour taste in everyone's mouth. I have, like for example, I have teams in in the North Carolina, on the North Carolina side that won state championships during the spring, but never played in the state championship game. Even though they got a ring, they're still that what if. And of course, Oceanside right. probably looking at this and feeling like they they have something to they they got a bad the bad end of a raw deal 
but it's just simple mathematics in many ways. You, you, you have to you have one week in between these games, week to week in the playoffs, but one slip up puts you out for two weeks. That's not a that is not advantageous for anybody. You can't you can't just uh, continue to do that and say, hey, we're gonna play on a Wednesday at three forty like the NFL did. No, that's a whole different situation. But right. the whole thing is, hey, they had a they had a plan, they stuck to it, and this is how it's gonna be. Right. Well, again, I, I'm with you. I, I agree with you, and I do applaud that they are going to play this game. I think it has to happen. I mean, it's kind of a tough deal for Joe and. And the land charts or anybody else that had to deal with this. Of course, other teams who might not have made it could easily say, well, we, we dealt with this more than anybody, so on and so forth. But at the end of the day, you know, for this to happen, it, it's not a shock here to me because, again, teams have been dealing with this for quite some time. The low country, I thought, did as good as anybody until it got to this point because uh, we had the least situations of it until playoffs became a situation and a conversation, Joe. But, uh, man, I'm going to let you park it again, hang out, watch some wrestling. we got to go to break because we're going to bring in – Coach Chuck Reedy, right out of the break, my friend. But thank you again for timing in on that one. I wanted to get your professional opinion, my friend. No problem, my man. All right, hang tight. All right, guys, quick break. Come back. I do want to thank uh, – I know he had to leave or he got dropped off. I'm not sure what happened in the upstate. But, of course, that was the man, Cole Bryson, play-by-play for Burns Rebels up in the upstate. He's also with ESPN Upstate, host of Saturday Scramble. And you just heard with Joe Hughes. He's also doing big things in the Gaffing Gazette, the Shelby Star, as he covers the border. That's right, North and South Carolina. Quick break, come back. It is our celebrity guest. And this segment will be brought to you by the Comeback Shack, located at 8915 University Boulevard, right over there in North Charleston. And his owner used to be a coach at Goose Creek. He is now joining us out of this, guys. Chuck Reedy, right after this, guys. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we've got two in the books in the final hour on the way, and we're going to hang out over at the Comeback Shack. That, of course, is located at 8915 University Boulevard with the owner. I still call him Coach Reedy. I know they probably – I hope they're calling you that over there, Coach. But uh, we want to welcome you back to Southern Sports Central as our celebrity guest speaker here tonight. Hey, Richie. It's great to be with you. And, uh no, they they just call me coach over there because I certainly don't do any cooking or anything of of that nature. I just I just talk just run my mouth a little bit when people come in, but that's about the extent of it. Do you walk around? With, I, I've never asked you this, but it's kind of funny for radio to have the conversation. Do you walk around with a whistle? Then do you still keep the whistle around here? You, you had to retire. No. That? No, no, that whistle is is, is hung up and retired. <laughs> Man, I tell you, and I appreciate it. I called you earlier today, and I'm trying to put everything together. And I was like, you know, I, I knew who I wanted to get in here for our final pick of the year. And, of course, saving it for the, for the best. And, of course, one of the best in the business, of course, in my eyes, as you coach. And you've always been that to us here at Southern Sports Central. And I – walked over and introduced myself to you when you were coaching over Goose Creek, and I was telling you who I was and what I did. You were you were all about, you know, because you're all about the kids and you see what we do here on Southern Sports Central. So when I had that chance today, you didn't hesitate, Coach, and I appreciate you being, uh, you know, open and, and, and having the opportunity tonight to be a part of our show. 
Well, I, I always enjoy it, and, uh, you know, I, I appreciate what you do for, for high school athletics, and, um, you know, there's um, – you know, there's there's not uh, enough coverage, but you do a great job, and uh, you know, and again, we appreciate you very much. Now, Coach, uh, you've been doing uh, this thing called coaching for a long time. You've seen a lot of things that have changed throughout the seasons, but you got a chance to do it from the the outside looking in, if you will. Uh, that being said, with COVID coming out and, and all the stipulations, uh, as you were reading the papers, I know you still talk to. You know, a lot of coaches like Coach Durham and some other guys that you've, uh, you, I would say, come up that Coach uh, Reedy Tree, if you will, and now out there doing big things in their own ways. But when you saw this coming out and then you see it almost completed following up this weekend, what, what do you think out of a, a season like we've had where they shortened the, the actual playoffs, but they also put the heavy implications on winning your region and you had to either be first or second just to make the playoffs? <clears throat> yeah, well, I think they made the best of a bad situation. Um, you know, they're, uh, certainly the fact that, that they were able to get the season in and, and you know, and, and get the playoffs and even to get to a point where, you know, we can have the state championship games this weekend. I think, um, you know, you, you have to give them credit for that. And, uh, um, you know, like I said, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't ideal but um, you know, made the best of it, and you know that's that, that's what all of us have have had to do uh, during these last seven, six or seven months. So um, you know, like I said, it's just good that we're at this point. You know, with the state championship games. You know, like uh, I heard a little bit of your, your previous caller, and I'm not, I didn't hear all of it, but you know, of course, basketball last year never, you know, didn't they didn't get to finish theirs, and so you know, it, it's good that. Um, you know, that we're at a point where we are going to be able to finish the season and crown the, the champions. Yeah, and I think that's the biggest thing as we're live right now with our celebrity guest figure here tonight on our state championship edition of Southern Sports Central. Coach Chuck Reedy joins us here as he's won a state championship, by the way, over Goose Creek. I know the boys, uh, the Gators love you to death, Coach. When I put out that you were coming, you would be surprised the alumni that reached out to me via a text or inbox with social media, man, it was like, wow, we appreciate what you're doing for, for, for Fort uh, Goose Creek. But, you know, these kids, that's a, that's a long-loved family over there, Coach. It seems like you really never graduated over there, huh? No, you know, it, it, they say once a Gator, always a Gator. And, you know, I think there's some truth to that. And, um, <clears throat> you know, we had a, you know, it, it was a great 13-year run that we had there. And, uh you know, culminated, you know, by, a, you know, our last five years, I think we were 62 and five with a, with a state championship and a, a 38 game winning streak, all those good things. And, uh, you know, we had some great young men and uh, had great support from, from Goose Creek, the Goose Creek, Goose Creek community. And, um, you know, it was a special time and, you know, we're going to be, as a matter of fact, coming up, you know, next year will be the 10 year reunion. And uh, we're certainly looking forward to, uh, you know, having something to get all those guys back together again. Hanging out right now with Coach Chuck Reedy is this segment brought to you by the Comeback Shack, located over at 8915 University Boulevard. That's his new playground, or at least his, his field of dreams over there, if you will, between uh, – the, you look at what's happened over there at, at Charleston Southern, Coach. Let, let me ask you, as a business owner in, in COVID, because it all ties into, of course, to athletics, which that's what we're talking about now. But you've seen, uh, you know, a very different 
uh, fault because of the fact that, you know, you're not seeing Charleston Southern students walk around as they would heavenly up and down that street that you're at. How much has you've seen this thing? Maybe is it coming back in your eyes, getting better than, of course, it was. I get it. But from, from, a, from an owner's point of view, and, and of course, a, a local business owner, Coach, uh, your, your thoughts on the season and how you guys are able to kind of make up the difference if you can. Yeah, we were very fortunate in that, um, you know, of course, we, we do a, a good bit of our business is drive-through business. Um, and so, you know, we were able, even when we couldn't do indoor dining, um, um, you know, or there were strict limitations on that, we, you know, we were, you know, we were able to sustain through through drive-through. And as a matter of fact, we it actually drove our drive-through business significantly um but you know we were fortunate the one you know i i really feel for the the restaurants that are uh, you know dining only you know the 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 fine dining restaurants you know i i don't know how they survived i mean and a lot of them probably haven't um you know it, it's it's been tough and um yeah, you know it's uh, we still have a ways to go and you know obviously the cases are rising and you know i guess we're just all hoping that, you know, we're going to get some kind of vaccine here in the next few months and, and get this thing under control. Hanging out with Coach Chuck Reedy as he talked about his business over there off of 8915 University Boulevard and the comeback check. But, again, Coach, uh, do you see a lot of your former players coming in there? Every time I talk to one of the guys that played for you, you know, they, they do talk about that's one of the stops that they make when they come back home. They walk in there and, they say, I don't know where he, when he ever goes home because they feel like you're, you're always over there. And I said, well, every time I've been there, he's usually right there at the door greeting you with a smile or now it would be with a mask. Well, yeah, no, we do. We see a good bit of them come in and, uh, you know, not just former players, but, you know, fans uh, from the Goose Creek community, um, you know, are a large part of our uh, clientele and, um, so, you know, no, it's always it's good to see those guys. And, um, you know, and, and most of them are doing really well and, and you know, uh, starting families and all of those things. And it's it's always rewarding to, to see your former players, you know, doing well in life and, and being successful. And, you know, that's, you know, that's what we really enjoy when they come in and we, we hear about what they're doing in their lives. I may add also, Richie, and uh, and I don't even know if you know this, but you know we we opened our second comeback shack uh, in Mount Pleasant in August. Um, so oh, wow. I've actually been, been spending a lot of my time over there. Um, and yeah, we we're we're in uh, on Bowman Bowman uh, Road, which is uh, over there by the Dick's Sporting Goods, um, in that little shopping center there. Um, right off off of Chuck Dolly, but um, yeah, we've been open there since August, and uh, you know everything uh, going well there as well. Nice. So you can guys, you can check him out over in North Charleston. For you guys over on the other side of the river, stay over there because he brought it to you. Since you couldn't come over here, he brought it to you, and that's over off of Goldman Boulevard over there, right near the Dick Sporting Goods. You guys that are familiar with that side of the road, Coach Call, I know you're listening, Joe. So head on over there and grab you guys something to eat. Uh, while you're listening to the broadcast here tonight. Now, you know, let's talk some other uh, in-house issues or, or maybe some things that I saved this for you and me as, uh, you know, by the way, I, I didn't want to give you all the answers to, to today's final because this is one of our final, you know, high school, you know, shows when it comes to the football games because it's the state championship weekend. Uh-huh. But the biggest question I've got, Coach, and this is something that has hit me, you know, in different ways because I see the the – 
this sport changing a little bit before it even gets on the field, and that is where you're seeing administration, right? You're seeing principals, but they're not principals because they're athletic directors, but they hold principal responsibilities throughout the day. And I see that, and I've seen that firsthand, when in the past it's always been a lot of times, it still is in some, where the football coach was the athletic director. And one coach that I talked to said it's, you know, it, it, it's good to still um, – God, I wish I could remember the quote, but I can't – maybe it'll hit me later, Coach. But not seeing ADs and football coaches as one, as you saw, you know, in, in many years in the past. Of course, I was over at Somerville for many years where you saw Coach McKissick was that. Right now, you, you see Coach Steve LaPrad is the football coach, and he's also the athletic director. Scott Durham, who coached for you, he's the same over in Andrews. But it's few and far between, Coach, where you just don't see – you know, uh, these two becoming one. And they said, the guy that told me, it's good to see somebody have skin in the game is the, the phrase that I heard, by the way. What's your take on this? Or do yeah. you think this is something that they need to go back to or open up that door of, of worms? Well, they're not going to go back to it. But, um, you know, I think that, that in, in when I came to Berkeley County in 2002, Berkeley County was uh, one of the probably two or three best football counties in the state. Um, and, and every football coach was also the athletic director. And, you know, that you can go back to um, in the 90s and then certainly all the way through till I retired in 2014. Um, you know, you had Ray Stackley at Stratford, you know, always a great program, won state championship. Uh, Jerry Brown at Berkeley, a great football coach, won several state championships. Obviously, I was the athletic director and, and the head football coach, won state championship. You had Art Craig at Timberland, uh, AD, head football, won a state championship. Um, Jeff Cruz at that time was over at Hanahan, had a great program. Um, you know, and, and it started with Kane Bay. And, and Rodney Thompson was the was the uh, superintendent, and, and Rodney's a good guy. I like Rodney a lot, but I think he made a big mistake. You know, he he's the one that's pushed the idea of uh, separating the two. And you know, Berkeley County right now is you know, and you know, it's just a very very average county as far as football goes. And uh, if you look at the better programs in the state and in the in the low country now, you know they got beat in the first round this year, but uh, LaPrad, you know, Port Dorchester, you know, by far has been the best program in the state since, you know, since, since we left and, um, or in, in the low country rather. And, uh, you know, he's the football coach and athletic director, uh, Tommy Knotts, you know, at Dutch Four. um, you know, the, it, it just, <clears throat> it, it, when the, the football, football has to drive the whole program. And, um, you know, when you're the athletic director and the football coach, you know, you can make sure that football gets what it needs to be able to support all the other sports because none of the other sports are going to support themselves except possibly basketball, If you know, if you're in a, in a school that has good support for their basketball team. But, um, you know, football has got to, you know, it has to come first. And, um you know, I, I just it's, I think it's a shame that uh, that Berkeley County went the direction that they went, but you know I don't see that coming back. Um, you know, a lot of it had to do with, um, like as you mentioned, you, you take an assistant principal, and, and what it did, it gave the the principals they were able to gain an assistant principal 
by making him uh, also the athletic director. So they gained, they gained a position, and and that was one of the reasons that you know that a lot of them you know supported that and pushed that, and um, you know it you know it is what it is, <laughs> but um, right. you know the the other thing. Um, you know, I, I, obviously, when 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 Ray Stackley and Jerry Brown and I were, we were the only four A coaches that time in the, in the district, um, and, and we were all making around a hundred thousand dollars a year. Well, you know, you take away the AD part of that, now you're going to be down around seventy five or eighty. So, you know, it just stands to reason if you can pay a guy a hundred, you're going to be able to get, you know, quality people, and um, you know. Think you know the records speak for themselves. Yeah, and, and you've seen it change here, Coach. Uh, before we're getting ready to bring Eugene in, he's the other half of Southern Sports Central, and he'll join us here in our pickums for the next five games coming up from one to five. But we do have a poll question out there: Should head coach, should head football coaches also be athletic directors at their respective schools? Now you can either hit yes, no, or the AD should be an admin job. Now, forty-five percent right now is yes. 33% is no, and 22 is uh, the AD should be the admin job. Because I believe this. I believe you can be good at a lot of things. There's no doubt. You can be really good at this and, or at least good at this and that and the other. But you can only be great at one thing. So when you, when you minimize and water down and you give this young man or young woman so much, so, so much to do, I mean, they're human, right? It doesn't matter whether it's a man or a woman. They're, they're human. There's only so much they can do. So far, you can stretch them. So they're going to, to me, I personally feel. Now, again, I've never been either way. But that being said, I feel like you're cheating. You're, cheating, you're either going to cheat the athletic department because they're not going to be as, as well into what they're doing because they're getting ready to go suspend somebody or handle something at an admin job or vice versa. And to me, I, you've seen – you just see it seems like football's kind of taking a hit in certain areas. And I, and I just wonder, is that where it's happening? Because where I see it not being the case – is at Fort Dorchester, where I see it not being the case is at Andrews High School, where I see it not being the case is where you just mentioned in Totten over there at Dutch Fort, who, by the way, going for five, and, and I'm sure you're going to have something to say about that in a minute, but I just I hated to see it, and I've seen it firsthand, where you just see they give them these walkie-talkies, Coach, and it's like they're tracking them with a radar, man, and as soon as they're going to handle an athletic point, then they're having to go over here and handle this, well, they're then taking it and putting it on the coaches to do a lot more than maybe they used to do. And to me, that takes away from what they need to do. So, again, you know, it, it's a chain reaction. I like to call it the domino effect of, of the direction we're going right now, Coach. No, you're, well, you're exactly right. And, you know, you only have to – you just have to look at football in the, in, in the low country. Um, you know, it, it's, it's not as good as it was um, 10 or 15 years ago. Um, you know, right. it, that's that's just a, that's just a fact. I mean, I'm not um, not just because you know what, that I was coaching back then. I mean, there were a lot of great coaches in this area, and um, you know, obviously Steve has done a, he's continued to do a great job at at Fort Dorchester. But um, uh, you know, everybody else is is basically average. I mean, there's nobody that's that's really really good, and that wasn't the case. Um, I know when I came in in 2002, and of course we weren't very good. Goose Creek was terrible, but I'm gonna tell you something: Stratford, Somerville, Berkeley, 
they were as good as anybody in the state, and um, you know, and and they made every they made everybody else better because they were so good, and you had to be good, had to be hey, you had to work at it to just be able to compete with them. Right. I mean, you you talking big names, Coach Ray Sackley, Doctor Brown, Coach Brown, Coach Steve LaPrade, Coach McKissick, yourself. You know, those are legendary names right now. Those are household names in the Low Country. And when I saw, and we're going to do this picks here in just a minute, everybody. But when I saw us get in the low country, 12 teams, and nine of them, nine of them, Coach, were bounced out in the first round, that to me is a panic button where we need to figure out where is that separation from us and everybody else. Because in the grand strand, yep. it was completely the opposite where they had 12 teams and only three knocked out. The Midlands, similar. The upstate, somewhat not as good, but just nowhere near as seeing nine teams and then COVID took out Joe and the Oceanside guys the week after where they didn't have a chance to play. I just have never seen right. football in the low country where we are right now. And I, and I know we got some dudes and some dogs and some guys that can really play, but somewhere there's a disconnect. So the final question I ask you, where is that disconnect in your opinion from a coach who's coached in college and high school and now you're sitting from the outside looking in? What do you see the difference that's got us, it seems like, a little bit further behind in a few of these other schools? Well, no, I mean, I, I think, you know, basically what I've just said, and it's just, um, and being able to uh, put the money in, into, uh, you know, a program uh, in order to be successful. I mean, you, you've got to put money into it. I, you know, uh, when, when I was the football coach and, and athletic director, you know, I, I would, both of the principals I worked under, and they were both, both, you know, great, but, you know, they were constantly on me about spending money. And, you know, my answer to them was always, you know, if you want to be average, we'll be average. If you want to have a, a first-class program, it takes money. And, you know, and, 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 you know, if you want me here and you want us to do it right, then uh, it's going gonna, it's gonna to take some money to do it. And we spent money to do the things that we needed to do to have a first-class championship program. And, um, you know, even though you know they, they would fuss at me, you know, they never told me that they wanted to be average again. And um, you know, so we just kept doing what we needed to do uh, in, in order to be, uh, you know, successful and to be a, a first-class championship program and a program that kids wanted to be a part of. That's the, that's the right. key. I mean, you you want to have a program that, that kids want to, you know, be involved in and so you don't have them walk in the halls. I mean, they're out there being a part of that football team, you know. And, you know, when you, when you start winning and, and start sending kids to college, what happens, and it, you know, it happened, it's happened at, at Fort Dorchester. It happens in Dutch Fort. It happened at Goose Creek. Kids start moving into your attendance zone because they want to be a part of that. You know, Brandon yeah. Shell didn't just move from West Ashley you know, to Goose Creek, just to move across <laughs> across town. Um, there was a right. reason why he came. Um, you know, yeah. and and um, and there were you know numerous others. But um, you know, they want to be a part of a successful program and be a part of a program that's you know that plays on uh, you know on ESPNU and things of that nature. And you know, um, like I said, we were able to do that. Um, um, uh, Coach LaPrade has been able to do that, and, and you see, you know, you see the success that they've had. And you're exactly right. And it goes all across, whether it's 5A or 1A and anything in between, 
You know, kids like to win. That's just kind of what it is. It never changes, really. As adults, we like to win as well. You know, that's the one thing, Coach, and, and I'll say this. I remember telling my son one time, dude, I, I can't teach you, honestly, you know, how to be a good loser. That's something you got to figure out on your own. Hey, I don't want to teach you it, and then you like losing more, and you like winning, and then we got another problem in my house because I just don't like to lose, and it should hurt. It should bother you. But you see winning breeds what? Winning? You've seen it in, in many schools. I mean, look at Clemson now. I mean, their football team's done great things. Their basketball team's winning. You see at Coastal, it started with, with baseball. Now football's they're doing their things. And, of course, in Columbia, you know, not here late, the football team, which they're getting ready to get a new coach, which I want to ask your opinion on that. But, you know, you, you start to see some things. So what is your thoughts on, on a, a place like South Carolina? You know, we talk about the separation in high school. Well, there's a mega separation in Columbia, South Carolina. And don't tell me anybody outside of our conversation that we don't have enough kids in our state because I'm seeing more kids leave our state than stay home and play in our state, Coach. But who is the right answer in South Carolina, in your opinion, and and what do you think it's going to take to get the Gamecocks back into at least winning eight, if not nine games, to be competitive? Yeah, well, you know, I I have – I've said – and I said this before they fired Coach Muschamp that – if they made a change, you know, I would hire Jamie Chadwell. And, um, you know, I, I just, um, you know, I just uh, think an awful lot of him. I, you know, I was obviously we were able to see firsthand what he did at Charleston Southern. And when you can go to Charleston Southern and, and, and you, you're beating Appalachian and you're beating Coastal Carolina, um, you know, and then you go to Coastal Carolina and the second year you're there, um, you know, you're you're ranked in the in the top 15 in the country. You know, he's a young guy that's you know been successful everywhere he's been, and um, you know, I don't think I, I don't think that that's the direction that they're going to go. But you know, if um, you know, if I was Ray Tanner and I was making the hire, that that's he'd, he'd be the guy that I would go after. Um, now, as, as far as South Carolina, you know. It's, it's it's all about recruiting. I mean, it's not a complicated, um, you know, situation. I mean, Clemson Clemson is recruiting, you know, at a at a you know at a level a national level, and um, you know, and and and, and um, you know, South Carolina it just has not been able to to raise raise them. But it all goes back to winning. Guys want to go somewhere where they have a chance to win and and play for championships. And you know, South Carolina, South Carolina, in my opinion, they dropped the ball uh, Spurrier's last two or three years there. You know, they were on a roll. They won eleven, won eleven, won eleven. They didn't capitalize on that in recruiting. And uh, you know, for some reason, I don't know if they got complacent or what. But they did not. They should have capitalized on that success and and been able to really bring in, you know, good recruiting classes, you know. And if you look at, you know, look at what was there when Spurrier left, you know, it just wasn't there. Yeah, very true. And they they now have their hands full because here we go in the early signing period, coach. This is something that other coaches haven't had to deal with, so they're going to have to figure this out. And of course, we've heard a few things that, that they've already kind of got you know, their, their hands uh, ready to be, you know, I guess uh, exchange handshakes and bring in maybe a Shane Beamer. We'll find out if that's true in the next uh, couple of days. As we now will look at the things that we do know that's going to happen this weekend, and, and that is the game of uh, high school football. We'll decide who wins one through five, and tonight you, me, and Eugene will sit around and 
We'll figure this out for the next 15, maybe 10 minutes between each of us. Now, here's how I like to do it, Coach, uh, is uh, I'll mention the matchup. I'll give you the first chance at all five of these. Eugene, I'll let you then be the second one, and then I'll come in and, and give you my thoughts at the end of it. So, here we go. Dutch Fork, T.L. Hanna, Coach, you know about Dutch Fork. Of course, Coach Knox, he, uh, he does those Coach Knox things. Going for five, T.L. Hanna looking to get a one back that maybe slipped out of their hands a few years ago. What do you like in this matchup, and who do you like in this matchup on uh, Friday night? Well, you can't go against Dutch Fork. <laughs> I mean, what what Tommy has done, um, you know, is 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 phenomenal, really. And uh, and you know, we actually played um, the last two years I was at Goose Creek. Tommy, I think, had been there a couple of years at that time, and and we played them, and they were they were good, and you could see they were getting better. Um, you know, we were able to beat them both times, but um, you know, he's built a program there. And, and just as we mentioned earlier, I mean, you've got guys, um, you know, coming from all over um, Lexington County and, and, and the, the Columbia area. They, they want to come to Dutch Fork. And Dutch Fork is very balanced. Um, T.L. Hanna, I didn't know much about him, but, um, you know, the, the guy, you know, the thing I do like about him, you know, they run the football and they run it very well. But um, you've got to go Dutch Fork. Dutch Fork's going to be balanced. They can run it. They can throw it. Um, you know, and they've just, they've just got too much um, confidence and momentum going for them. All right there, Eugene. What you got, buddy? Coach is going with Dutch Fork. Who you got? Going with Hannah in the upset. I think Hannah has shown uh, some metal that we all haven't seen. Uh, Hannah's been there before. Been there before against Dutch Fork. Now, they played them close, tight. You know, it could have, it was a game that could have gone either way. And, and, and like was said earlier, that fourth quarter came and that they had like four turnovers. I don't see them playing that type of ball. Uh, I think they're good on offense, defense, and, uh, you know, they're pretty good on special teams. I think they're good enough uh, on defense that maybe they can cause a turnover. Uh, as we saw last week, if it's a lower scoring uh, outfit or a fair, uh, you know, Tommy starts going for it on fourth down. You know, they come up with one of those stops and get a key possession back. You know, they can kind of milk that clock. If they can run the ball, and I think they're, the defensive line isn't quite the same. The defense isn't quite the same as Dutch Fork's pass. Uh, you know, I, I think they can. Now, everybody says Dutch Fork stops to run. Okay, well, they also haven't played Hannah's team. Let's see what Hannah can do. Uh, I'm going to go out on the limb and go with Hannah in this one. I think you're just trying to make that your breakaway game, my friend, but I'm going to stop you there. I think Dutch Fork's really good because why? Because Tom Knox is still the coach there. He's just one of those guys that I feel like he can coach up anybody. I mean, I feel like my, my 10-year-old could go over there and, and, and play like a 17-year-old. It, it's not the fact that, 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 that Dutch Fork's not going to score 65 points, you know, or, or maybe give up 50 points. But I, I, it's but to me, if you go against the offense and you've got – you know, two receivers, and, and neither one of them I'm talking about are the little Hyatt, who, by the way, is their secret weapon to some degree. I feel, I feel like to me that you cannot go against a kid that came in from, of course, uh, he transferred in the quarterback that's going to go play baseball and football for Clemson, right? He's uh, part of that Ben Lippin guy that came in. He hasn't skipped a beat since the quarterback that's now at Clemson playing baseball was there. I, it's almost against my religion to go against Dutch Fork, and I will not go against that grain, and I'm going to go in the smart one here with Dutch Fork as it will be a 2-1. Uh, and uh, Eugene picks up uh, T.O. Hanna. Coach 
Reedy getting out of here with Dutch Bork and myself. Now, Coach, let's look over to AC Flora, who has a quarterback that is, uh, well, Perry Orr. That quarterback coach, excuse me, has uh, gotten that young man in stride. I mean, that kid over there is electric. He throws the ball around a lot. They've got a very impressive, well-disciplined team. But here comes a North Myrtle Beach team that is very similar. Uh, they will see a team very similar to Myrtle Beach out of AC Floor that they just handled this past weekend. Does North Myrtle Beach have enough defense, and can they put enough offense on the board to win this one? <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> I'm going to predict that um, that AC Floor – will be the first Richardson County team to win a state championship since 1970. Now, that's 50 years. Wow. <laughs> so, you know, they've got an opportunity to really make history. And, uh, you know, in, in doing a little research, and them, they run the ball very well. And uh, they've only given up uh, one touch, an average of a touchdown a game. And uh, I've, I've not seen either one of them play. But, um, you know, just, just as a hunch, I'm going to say, AC Floor is going to make make fifty year history. Fifty year history, Eugene. Can you go against the coach? What do you think? Do you think the Chiefs, or you think that high flying AC Floor team is going to do that magic in the end zone? Come in if the four quarters are done. Coach, we might have lost Eugene. I'll wait and see if he uh, he picks back up. Oh, I'm, I'm going to look it. here. Yep. Oh, there you go. I got it. All right, what Sorry, you got, buddy? I'm following the coach on this one. I'm going with uh, with Flora. You know, I, of course he can throw the ball. The young man's committed to, on full scholarship up to Limestone College to throw the ball up there. Uh, but here's the thing. They ran for 350 yards last week. I mean, they run the ball. And, I, you know, when – uh, North Augusta had success against them. They were running on the edges, just not up the middle. I think Florida can spread the ball, and I think that spread offense is going to maybe maybe they can switch it up. Maybe they can go to you know some quicker routes, much like Northwestern did to beat South Point back in the day when South Point had such a great defensive line. You know, all those boys went to Carolina and whatnot and had success. Uh, I, I really think Florida's got this game. I don't think that um, North Myrtle Beach can score just quite as quickly as Florida can. Well, I tell you what, I'm going to be the difference maker here. I'm going to go with Coach Real. I think they're the real deal. I think their defense is very good. You heard all the guys that came in here earlier talking about how good they were up front. That's going to cause a lot of problems, I feel like, for that quarterback who I don't think has seen some of the two defensive end guys. Like you see the bookmark uh, between the kid that came in from Tennessee and, uh, of course, the kid that right now is going to Coastal to uh, become a Sean Clear this time next year and Chase Simmons. But they also have some defensive back guys, I think, that will troll around back there and uh, create a no-fly zone. So I'm going to go AC floor, not today. I thought I was coming into this, but I'm going to go North Florida Beach, guys. I feel like they're a team that, that has seen this very similar offensive scheme because they played Myrtle Beach twice. AC floor runs a very similar offense as North Myrtle Beach does. I don't think they've got enough to get around the outside of those two defensive ends, and I don't. I know they can't run up the middle. Now, that may be wrong in this one at the end of the day, but I cannot go against North Myrtle Beach after seeing it firsthand in action. Now we go quickly over to Camden and Daniel Coach. Daniel, got a lot of Clemson colors over there. Even though they're not wearing them on their jerseys, they sure have it running through their veins with some coaches that have some, some kids over there. But Camden's got a couple of running backs that make a difference, Coach. Who do you like in this matchup? 
Yeah, I, I like Camden. You know, Camden's going to run the football, and you know that's my passion. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I, Camden's got – of course, both both of them have great traditions, and certainly it's a, a matchup of two, um, you know, long-standing great programs. But, um, you know, Camden – uh, I'm, I'm going with Camden on this one. And, you know, interesting to me, of course, the, the Camden coach is, is another transplant from North Carolina, like Tommy Knotts. Um, and, and, you know, it, it's interesting. Matter of fact, you're seeing more and more of that because uh, those guys in North Carolina that are successful, they can come to South Carolina and make a lot more money. And, 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 and uh, you know, but um, and this guy, from what I understand, um, you know, he's a tough, hard nosed physical coach and uh, you know, I like I like their chances against a, a pass happy Daniel team. There you go. All right, Eugene, who you got? I already know who Eugene's getting coached, but go ahead, Eugene, enlighten us who you're going with here. I'm definitely sticking with uh Lane Train and Willis and uh you know, and Bracey. I had about nine of those guys on the other night. You know, like the defensive end said, man, you know, I don't get a chance to get any sacks. You know, I'm just hungry for this game. I finally get to chase the quarterback around and, and not in the backfield running the ball. So, uh, you know, the the main concern was can the Camden DBs uh, play physical or, or run with the receivers? And the answer to me is yes. They have so much speed on that team. I think at least the, the receivers can uh, – I mean, the DBs can hang with those guys enough to make – you know, and give that D-line, you know, the time to cause havoc. So I'm going with Camden in this game. Camden is just really good in all three facets. Camden, guys, I've gone against you for so long, but I'm on it. I'm buying what you're selling. I've seen your two running backs. We've heard your running backs. I see a quarterback back there that makes a lot of differences, and I think that you will show me right. You will show me to the light, and you with the win in the state championship. You bring back that trophy, and uh, you get to look at me finally on Monday and say you should have went with us from week one. However, it's a sweep here, Camden, from all three of us. Now, Coach, Abbeville, Marion. Now, Marion, of course, a team that has fought hard. They had to knock out a coach that you know very well last week at Andrews. Abbeville is knocking out everybody on their schedule. Can you go against Abbeville, or do you think Marion's got something in it here that they can put on the Big A? No, this this is Abbeville all the way. Um, you know, I I, um, I don't think there's any doubt. Abbeville, one of the one of the, again another program with great great tradition. Um, and you know, Marion, you know, lost to King Street early in the year. Uh, you know, as you said, you know, lost a, or won a really close game against Scott, Scott Durham's team last week. Um, uh, Abbeville has only given up 38 points all year. Um, and, and and never gave up, gave up more than one touchdown in the game. So this is Abbeville all the way. All right, Eugene, you're going with the Big A. You think Marion can put a stop to the Madness? Yeah, I think uh, the Big A is going to take that road trip over to the Promised Land and fill those buckets up full of water, man. I think they got to stay. <laughs> you know, it's kind of on the it's kind of on the way to Columbia anyway. So uh, you know, they'll stop by and fill up those coolers in the Promised Land. Uh, Abbeville's defense is just too much for Marion. Uh, you know, they haven't seen the likes of this type of team. Yes, they played a great team. You know, the, uh, last week with the Jackets, uh, I thought the Jackets actually had that game. Uh, but, you know, uh, a close game is, is a close game, and Abbeville just hasn't had those for a reason. I agree with you, man. And you mentioned the promise land. Coach, I don't know. I'm sure you know because you spent some time up in Clemson. But, man, the, the promise land is right down the road to the left-hand side if they're leaving – 
the stadium to head to Columbia. And I'm sure they'll fill up the, uh, the, the jugs with all they can over there. But I look forward to uh, watching this thing kind of put in play because I think you're playing at a different level, Coach. This is a different team for me, and I, I'm going to agree with you guys. I think that you see Abbeville win this one. I'm not going to say convincingly, but maybe they do. But either way, I think they walk out with a W and get themselves back on the conversation of building another dynasty or continuing, if you will. Now, the final game in 1A football is Lakeview and Southside Christian. Coach, what do you know about Southside Christian and how much you believe in a team that's not too far away from Dillon, who I know and you know puts a lot of athletes out, so they can't fall too far from that place of, uh, of resignation? Uh, you know, I, I I don't know a lot about either one of them, but I know the Lakeview Wild Gators. I know what kind of football they've always played. Uh, when I was at Clemson, we had several guys that that uh, that we signed from there, and uh, just uh, sight unseen, I'm I'm Lakeview on this one. <laughs> Eugene, what you got, buddy? Well, I hate to pick any uh, against any team with the Gator and, and as a mascot, man. And I love the Wild Gators. I know the DBs are great. They got a great DBs going Division One. He's got about 15 offers, and they continue to grow. But you know, I think Southside Christians has got a nasty defense. They got a quarterback that can make plays. Uh, I'm gonna go out on the limb and go with Southside in this one. Man, I tell you, look at Eugene. So far, he's already picked Tail Hannah and Southside Christian, trying to be different. I got to go with you, Coach, and. I'm not going to go with a team that I, you know, I like the Southside Christian logo, the, the the first three letters there, SSC, like Southern Sports Central. Unfortunately, I think I'm going to stick with the, with the Gators. These guys have done what they needed to do. I feel like they're going to have enough in the tank to handle business as they've continued to do. And like I mentioned, they're in a county that has produced athletes at schools around there. So I, I think they kind of find their way into that 1A state championship and walk out with a trophy and a few good rings. Uh, Coach, means a lot, more than you know, and you and I have talked about it before. I guess i got to make a trip now to Mount Pleasant to catch up with you, but I do want to thank you and <laughs> all that you have done and all that you continue to do for not only high school sports in and around our community, but right here on Southern Sports Central. And thanks for being our celebrity guest here tonight. Well, thank you for having me, Richie. I appreciate it very much and uh, look forward to being with you again and hope you have a wonderful Christmas. You too, Coach. Uh, Merry Christmas to you and your family, and thanks again for hanging out. We'll see you soon. And don't worry, I'll be calling you on Saturday and letting you know what, uh, what your picks look like. You and I can maybe sit down and grab a burger. <laughs> All right. Sounds good. Thank you. <laughs> All right, Coach. There you go, ladies and gentlemen, our celebrity guest picker for the night, Coach Chuck Greedy. You guys will remember he did an incredible job on the field anywhere he stood whether it be on a Saturday or a Friday course, uh, we know here in Goose Creek he did an incredible job of not only teaching young men how to be athletes, but teaching young men how to be grown men. He also did it with a lot of his coaches who uh, came in and uh, have left the program there and went to other programs and have done great things around the great state of South Carolina, maybe even left our state. Maybe they're coaching other places, but I cannot say enough. Anytime that I pick up the phone and, and reach out to Coach, he's always there on the first or second ring. He's always willing to jump in and and it's things like that, that that means so much to me. And it means so much to all of us here at Southern Sports Central. And now, of course, you know, uh, I, I don't have a lot of time, but I want to make some time here because uh, there is a, a gentleman that's getting ready to join us here now who um, is getting ready to have a huge camp coming up on the 5th, which is Saturday, by the way, in Charlotte, 
North Carolina. Let's go now to the hotlines. And, Coach Freddie, you're with us on Southern Sports Central. I know we don't have a, a whole lot of time because of it being a big weekend in our state, but I want to give you guys some love and tell you, welcome to Southern Sports Central. Well, thank you so much. We're glad to be on with you. It is a big weekend. State championship weekend in South Carolina is a big weekend. So glad that the kids were able to get the season in, and we're on a championship run now. No doubt. And we got Coastal. How about this? Coastal hosting college game day? I mean, you know, it just it's not like we don't have that. enough going on, Coach. We got basketball season spinning off this week, and now, of course, you know, that, this, and, of course, you guys. We love it, man, what you guys are doing at Infinity putting this camp together. I know you guys are about – I don't think you had a whole lot of room left because I know a lot of kids in the low country that are heading up to you guys on Saturday. But uh, kind of tell us a little bit uh, of what's going on this time. We've been a part of the first two, and we look forward to seeing what you guys are going to do here in round three of y'all's camp coming up on Saturday. We're just trying to expand the brand. Uh, there's always a need for – you know, universities have a need to, to get information from Infinity and – uh, kids have a need to one feed their passion and have an opportunity to grow in the game. So our camps combine the two. We we provide that service by having that profile on each kid that comes in and then runs certified uh, times by electronic times. And those universities really appreciate those with uh, certified height and weights and times. And then the kids, the second part of the camp is really individual training uh, is that individual uh, position specific work that they get as they head on this journey now in North Carolina to, to start playing in February in South Carolina. Now I'm trying to be recruited. All right. Now, coach, you've actually done a lot of this, uh, you know, on many levels. One of those at high school over there, I believe at Woodruff, where uh, you were able to do some things, uh, went in the region back in uh, 2006 graduate, uh, I believe, of Wofford College but over there in Spartanburg, did some big things over there, as well as uh, became the running back coach uh, at your alma mater back in 99 all the way to 2005. But there's a, a list as long of, of what you've been able to do. And I think that tells the story of how Coach Helms and yourself and so many of you guys that we worked with, Coach Brunson and so many others that have come through this radio broadcast and been a part of what we do together to work together that you've done this before. So you're not just telling these kids that you read it or saw it on the internet. No coach, you've done it. You understand it. And you're just trying to pass along some of the things that you did, some of the things you might wish you would have done and some of the things that you could have done better. Well, I'm a guy that has two kids that play division one football. My sons, uh, Fred Brown, the receiver from the university of South Carolina and uh, Traylon Brown, who plays that down in Alabama, Jacksonville state. So, you know, I put my own children through this process, and, and they've been able to, you know, have a, a good football careers. And Freddie's obviously a coach at Wofford now. But, uh, you know, yes, you know, I was a head coach at Spartanburg High School. I was a head coach at Woodruff High School. I coached at Mallet Creek, coached at Burns. So a number of places uh, that we've been able to watch and put kids through uh, this process of how do I get recruited, how do I make a difference in my own uh, future, how do I feed my passion, uh, what types of things are important. So you know, we're out there still giving the same message for these football kids that you can get it done. There's a process, but trust the process. We're hanging out right now with Coach Freddie Brown. He is uh, the head coach, if you will, over there at Infinity Sports, uh, Infinity Game coming up in uh, Saturday. Uh, now, 
give us a breakdown of how this camp is going to go because we were there with you guys at Ben Lippin, Coach, where we saw you guys do some different things. And then Eugene and myself and a few of us took that trip to Atlanta where we got a chance to see, you know, you guys do a few other things and a couple of other specialties. But now, now you're bringing in the specialty teams, if I'm not mistaken. You're also doing some other special things. And you're taking this camp all the way to Charlotte, North Carolina, where I know you're going to have about nine different states, if not eight different states, coming in and representing at least one athlete in each of those, if not more. Right, so we've combined a few things uh, to create some different competition for kids. Obviously, we had a Richmond camp uh, that was postponed for COVID reasons, and so it was moved. Uh, all those kids were moved in there, and there's a Virginia camp. Uh, that was they were moved also another Virginia camp that was moved the kids were moved into that so you'll see some different competition uh, uh, levels and different styles if you will in the Charlotte camp which will be held at uh, Rocky River High School in Mint Hill North Carolina which is uh, just south uh, just north north northwest of Charlotte so you you're just just on the edge of Charlotte there on the on the edge of Charlotte so. So, you know, you're going to have an opportunity to see a bunch of different types of competition. We also have kickers there. So you bring the kickers in and, and let them do a little competing as well for awards and, and things of that nature. So it'll be competitive because you got kids coming in from different states that will uh, be looking to find some competition. Hanging out right now with Coach Brown, Freddie Brown, as he's getting us up to date, ready to rock and roll for that camp coming up over in Charlotte. North Carolina. They'll be just due northwest of that over there at Rocky River High School. I, I, I challenge you to say that four or five times fast. It's definitely a tongue twister, <laughs> Coach. Uh, I, I do it all the time. I have to say it slow, almost like I'm trying to figure it out, but it's just because it's one of those names. But now you're asking the quarterbacks to please bring your own ball. You're also letting them know that you'll have uh, hydration, but please bring your own water bottle. Uh, a gallon water jug is what you're hoping that they bring with them. And then also please Bring and wear your mask. We will, of course, also have some at the camp you're letting these young men know. And, again, it's very similar as you guys did at Ben Lippin, similar that you did over in Atlanta. And, again, just trying to make sure that we take advantage of the opportunity that's given. Because, again, the state of North Carolina hasn't even snapped the first ball in a season. That doesn't happen until at least February if they're lucky. Right, Coach? Correct. So, you know, the uh, protocols are still in play. Uh, you have an opportunity to – uh, advance on, advance on with this camp, but yeah, protocols will be in play. Temperatures will be taken. Um, uh, COVID waivers will be signed. All the things that that we need to do to keep the kids safe will be in place. Social distancing as much as we can within the sport. Uh, obviously, the private schools in North Carolina played and competed and had a, a state championship a couple of weeks ago. So uh, it, it can be done. It can be done correctly, and so. We do want these kids to have an opportunity to advance on in this game, and to do that, we have to get some information out to some folks about who is playing and what they can do. Now, Coach, uh, you guys will, of course, have uh, the opportunity to share some of this information. If a kid, if a young athlete has already signed up, and hopefully he or she has, because, again, the, the, the boys and the girls, of course, you know, uh, can play this football game, be it Friday, Saturday, which you saw at Vanderbilt, this past weekend, but uh, when you look at it, where does this go? How many college coaches are going to have access to it? I mean, they want to know, scouting-wise, who's going to be around to watch, look, and, and have their eyes on what's going on on Saturday from the college eyeballs so, looking down. Gotcha. So these, uh, the colleges obviously can't be out there 
at this point. Uh, they've postponed a lot of stuff. So with college coaches going out and doing in-person evaluations, so that's going to hurt this class, this senior class. So what Infinity has done over the over the time that they've been in business is they have a, an amazing um, computer concept that they take uh, all this information and they put it into um, a program that these colleges uh, take from Infinity. And so they take all of this measurable stuff that we do in a combine, which the first part of the camp is a combine with running and testing 40s, of 10, 5, you know, the measurables. And so we get all the height, weight measurables, and they're verified times, verified and solid times. So universities want to see exactly how tall you are, exactly what time you run. Uh, and, you know, that doesn't hurt the kid. That helps the kid, okay, because it, it moves them a level ahead of a guy that doesn't have a verified time. And the second part of the camp is the uh, individual training or the position-specific training with uh, with some one-on-ones at the end and some awards. So it gives you an opportunity to um, work on multiple things. Again, like I said, to begin with what the colleges need, right, and they can't be there, so they'll take the data and they'll use the data to help make decisions. All right, Coach. Well, I tell you what, we really want to say how much we appreciate you and, of course, Coach Helms and everybody's got their hands coming in, all these trainers, all these coaches, all these specialists that are coming in to educate and, and, and get our young athletes ready. The ones who definitely are going to need a little extra work is uh, the challenge is still ahead of them with COVID and everything like that. But, uh, Coach, still enough time for these young men and women to sign up? Still got a few spots? Absolutely. Absolutely. They can go on to infinity.com, and uh, we're on every part of social media. Jump on there and uh, find their way to our website. And, you know, this is a, a computer age. These kids can get on very quickly. It takes them about three or four minutes to get signed up, and they'll be on their way up to Charlotte. We'll get going 10 to 4 on Saturday. They'll be home in time to still get a, get if they're from Columbia, get to a game and see a championship game. There you go, Coach. Well, God bless you, your family. Thank you for coming back and, and giving back. After your boys have, have come through your training, you're going to put a few other young men and women through some training. And, again, we appreciate you all the way through from the start to finish. I'm going to reach out to you sometime early tomorrow morning off the air, but I wanted to make sure we got you. And we apologize. It didn't get you as early as we wanted. It's just we knew, and I was telling Coach Helms, I said, man, look, this weekend she just keeps getting busier and busier with, of course, us being blessed, right? It's a blessing that we had an opportunity to play some high school football. But we look forward to catching up with you soon, and I know it's going to be another successful camp over there with you guys at Infinity Football. Thank you guys for having us, and thank you for reporting on these children and giving them an opportunity to be noticed and these coaches that, that put so much into it. It's been a tough year COVID-wise, but people have fought through it. And congratulations to all the kids that have made it to the state championship. You'll win each way. There'll be two trophies given out. Amen to that, Coach. God bless you. Take care. Thanks again, and you and I will be touching base here shortly. Okay, thank you. All right, ladies and gentlemen, Eugene, I bring you in quickly here. We've got about 90 seconds here for the rest of this broadcast, but I do want to quickly go through. Let's go ahead and first start off with Coach Freddie Brown. He's with the Infinity Group. They will have their camp on uh, Saturday, and, of course, 10 to 4, Rocky River High School. Check them out over there at infinityfootball.com. Go ahead. And uh, register now. Don't wait. Do not wait. I can't tell you enough. Wayne Wright, he is the voice of the Chiefs. He'll be 
over there talking about his Chiefs on Saturday night. They have their state championship game. David Shelton joined us all the way from the Post and Courier and the High School Sports Report. Colt Bryson, he checked in at 740. He is with ESPN Upstate. And, of course, Joe Hughes was our other guy at 730. He was with the Guest and Gazette, Shelby Starr. And then also our guest celebrity was Coach Chuck Reedy. Eugene, I know it's been a tough one. We've done it. We made it. Enjoy the night. We'll see who wins, who loses, and we'll report it back on Saturday, huh? Yeah, definitely. And uh, just give a shout-out to Coach Brown. I was looking forward to coaching with him this weekend at the Infinity Camp. Uh, as you know, uh, some family issues have arisen, so I'll be out of pocket the next couple of days. But I'll have my phone, so I'll try to keep up and check everybody. And good luck to the uh, 2021s. Get the uh, lineups are now being posted for the uh, senior all-star game, so we'll be tracking those fellas too. All right, guys, on behalf of all of us, all of you, congratulations to all those who made it to the state championship. Our hearts and prayers.